And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Friday, December 22nd, 2017. This will be our final flagship show broadcast. That is the Hagman Report broadcast, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, and between now and Christmas. In other words, we will be back on, uh, the 27th. So we're taking Christmas Day and the day after off to spend with our families. Now with that, I just want to wish on behalf of Joe and myself, and Eric the Tech and his lovely wife, my beautiful daughter Jackie, who's our administrative assistant, John Robertson. Just, I want to wish everyone, we want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. Very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We can say that now. Isn't that great? And, uh. You couldn't say it before? Well, you know. No, it's it's great to there's something That's different the in the air. I I know, I know, I know. But but there's something different. I think um there's this oppressiveness that has been relieved. I I and regardless of whether you believe that or not, some people feel it, some people say they never felt oppressed. Others say, well, they still feel oppressed regardless. Merry Christmas. And, and take time, you know what, take time over this Christmas holiday to spend some time with your loved ones and to enjoy your, the company of your family and friends. And if, if you're alone this Christmas, you know, it's, um, uh, look, we're all here for a reason. And I really believe that. So I just wanted to say, say that out of the gate. The second issue, uh, we, we, we got reports that, and I, I know I've posted this on, HagmanReport.com um, concerned about Robert Cody Snod- Snodgrass. Now, if you remember, he he appeared on our show on Tuesday, and Thursday he was involved in what I understand was a very serious two-car motor vehicle accident. Now, uh, we're trying to get uh, details about what happened, how it happened, and what have you. So, uh, just keep just to keep you posted report.com for updates on that and we'll try to fill everyone in we do have a we had a call out of course um we reached out to, to his family and have not got a, gotten a response back so we really don't know much we don't know anything we don't know if it's connected to anything just saying so keep uh keep him in your thoughts and prayers Joe, yeah absolutely and and you know we're we're going to be uh looking for updates on that and when we do find something definitive, I, I will post it on Hagman Report um, just to make sure that everybody can see it. Also, Peter Chalka has a piece up on Hagman Report, which deals with James Rosen, top DC reporter James Rosen, out at Fox News after 19 years with the network. Go to HagmanReport.com and read Peter Chalka's latest piece, as it is uh, very informative on this matter. And he covers all things media, specifically uh, what what is happening and has been happening at Fox News, and it's a it's a great read. And tonight we have our our guest with us tonight, Dr. Ted Brewer. 
He's going to be with us for until 9 o'clock, and then Austin's going to join us for a half an hour, and then Sharon's going to join us for about 20, 25 minutes, and we have a special Joe Charles A Christmas Story, Eric, is that right? Yeah, Joe Charles A Christmas Story it, at it, the very end of the bro- yeah, program, it, and Eric put together some awesome gra- – he was working hard on, on getting this stuff together. He He's done some things that – uh they're going to be nice. We'll, we'll see him as a Just because uh, I, I didn't have a chance to talk with Ted today. Um, uh, every it, It's tradition. Every year, the, the final five minutes of this show before we leave for Christmas, we play the Joe Charles Christmas story. And, and it just happens to fall tonight. So just to be clear with everyone. So if we have to adjust the schedule five minutes you know, the other way to, to give Sharon the full time and, and Austin the, the full time, we gladly do so. Just to be clear on that. So, go ahead, Joe. Well, let's bring on Ted Brewer, Dr. Ted Brewer from healthmasters.com. Ted, it's great to have you back on the show on this last Friday before Christmas. Oh, Joe, Doug, it's great to be back on with you guys. I've got so much new information tonight. I want everyone to grab a sheet of paper and pencil if it's safe for you to do that. You're not driving down the car. A Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year. I'm so, I'm like Doug. You know, this political correctness had run so much for the past almost decade, actually longer than that. It's been going on since the 80s. It's been getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, Donald Trump is, you know, putting up his manger scenes in the White House. And we're having this rebirth, this renaissance, so to speak, of people saying Merry Christmas and have a happy, blessed New Year, and we're so happy that Jesus is the reason for the season. So everybody out there tonight, I want you to know Merry Christmas and that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I am so blessed to be on the show tonight. We have so much information. My prayers, I I prayed today on my show for uh, Mr. Snodgrass, Doug, and Joe. I don't know how serious the injuries are. I'm not even sure exactly what happened, but we pray for him today. And the thing that people need to understand is that in these cases that he's talking about, he was a material witness, which means he has firsthand evidence of what happened and the things that he talks about. Anything else from another other than a firsthand witness testimony is called basically hearsay, and it's inadmissible in a court of law. That's why we in the alternative media, in many cases, get such a break on what we say because we're not the ones that are the material witnesses. We're interviewing people that are the material witnesses who've been involved and seen things firsthand. That's why when he, I heard him on the show that he had done with Dave Hodges on Sunday night, Doug and Joe, and I told Sharon, I said, oh, we got to pray for this guy because he's really out there exposing a lot of stuff about the deep state. I had known a long time ago about the Gulf War syndrome and the radiation poisoning from the spent uranium shells being in-housed inside of the Alfred Murrow building in Oklahoma City, and I had talked about it briefly years ago. But he just came straight out and called it out for what it was, and he was absolutely right from the research that I've done. And all of this information is stuff the deep state doesn't want out, Joe and Doug. And so we have to hold him and his family in our prayers. He even said on the Hodges show that he realizes that they're probably going to come after him, but he at this point in his life said he could no longer sit back idly and not say anything, that he had to tell the truth, guys. Exactly. You know, and, and, um, yeah. Yeah, I, there, there's nothing I can add to that at all. And, and I did catch him on Dave Hodges as well. I, I didn't, I, I should have mentioned that. Um, and, and folks listened to the Hodges interview and that was on Sunday. And then of course on Tuesday he came on our show. So those two interviews combined. Wow. What a lot of information. Well, the thing about it is, is that, you know, we always know the stuff's going on 
And this guy was so credible. The thing I liked about him with his interviews, Doug and Joe, is number one, he was a material witness. He was the one that they actually offered the money to to blow up the Edward Murrow building, you know, based on his story that he told us. And the reality is this. I mean, he's naming names, naming places, naming dates, naming agencies, naming individuals who are involved in it. And that's very dangerous. Whenever you start, whenever you start doing that with the deep state, they get their, it gets their attention very quickly, and you know that, because all of a sudden it's not just talking in generalities anymore. You're saying so-and-so in such-and-such a department on such-and-such date offered me such-and-such money. And all of that stuff is admissible in court because he has firsthand you know, accounts of that. So he has to be very, very careful. I saw it with the Navy SEALs, with the SEALs Team 6, Doug and Joe, when they had, went into the debt. I believe, fake raid with Osama bin Laden years ago who had died years earlier from kidney failure. And I remember, I told my wife when they were talking about this and how this, the SEAL team had gone in under Obama and had, quote-unquote, killed Osama bin Laden, and Osama bin Laden suddenly is buried at sea and no autopsies performed to verify his you know, identity. I told Sharon, I said, every time there's a cover-up like this, every time they do something like this, the guys who are involved in it are usually always expendables. And I, they have to really watch themselves because this SEAL Team 6, if they're not careful, these guys are going to meet an untimely end. And what was it? What, what, four or five months later, Doug and Joe, those guys were, a lot of those guys were blown up in the helicopter over there in Iraq. And the sad part about this is, is that this goes on all of the time with the deep state. And sadly, this is their modus operandi. This is how they act. This is what they do. This is how they shut their witnesses up. So guys, just, you know, continue to pray for all of us in alternative media. Pray for me. Pray for Austin. Pray for my wife, Doug and Joe. Pray for Jeff Rentz. Pray for Dave Hodges. Uh, pray for Sheila Zelensky. Uh, you know, all of us that are out there, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the caravan to midnight, all of us that are out there exposing this stuff that these guys are doing because, you know, you know, individually we have pretty good numbers on all of our shows, but collectively we have, we reach millions and millions of people every single week. And I know that your show alone, Doug, with all of the connections that you have and all the other shows, you were probably responsible for turning the election for Trump against Hillary in many states and many precincts. And quote, quite, quite frankly, you probably provided him millions of additional votes. And to me, it's a privilege to be part of the Hagman Hodges team with you guys and with Doug and Joe and all the people we all work together with on an ongoing basis. Guys, we're here to support one another, edify each other, lift each other up, and let everybody know, guys, that we're a team, we're part of this, and we're all going to be in this thing together for as long as we possibly can. Doug and Joe, what do you think? No, absolutely. It's uh, much much more powerful as a collective than we are individually. And, uh, Ted, back to what you said about the SEAL team, just real quick, because I want to make this distinction. That same, the SEAL Team 6, after that uh, Osama bin Laden raid, had the deadliest, uh, the most military casualties in Afghanistan in the single day in the whole Afghanistan war when 17 um, SEAL members died in a helicopter crash, which the families and many others suspect it was an inside job. That was August 6th of 20, 2011, extortion 17. Right. It was a Boeing, uh, a Boeing uh, CH-47 Chinook. Yep, that's yeah. right. That's right. And see, so we, we, we don't make this stuff up in the alternative news. I mean, we have, I know with Doug, I mean, and Joe, and you know, with me, I mean, we do hours and hours of research because there's so much fake news now. You got to go in, you got to find multiple sources, you got to try to make sure that you're not going to give out something that's not, that's, that's not right. Every once in a while, we'll give out something that's not 100% accurate. I quickly come back when I find out and correct it. But guys, you know, it's a lot of work to do these shows and these podcasts, especially to the level that we do them. And with the quality, and Ted, of the I just program. did that. I think I said seventeen Navy SEALs. It was thirty Navy SEALs who died. No. This it was extortion seventeen, as my dad said. But sorry, Ted, go ahead. 
Well, no, but the reality is this. It's the same thing. I mean, the boys who, you know, buried the bodies of the people who basically buried, shot Kennedy, all these guys, you know, these guys are all killed. I mean, look at all the people that died around the Kennedy assassination within a few years. I mean, all these material witnesses were shot and killed. People involved in the cover-up were shot and killed. Look at Lee Harvey Oswald, for heaven's sakes, and all these other people. I mean, all of these guys are the patsies. And this is what this is what Snodgrass was saying, is they wanted him to be the patsy for the Oklahoma City bombing, and he refused to do it. They ended up picking on Timothy McVeigh and got him involved in all of it. I mean... He, he, the, the, the thing about it is, is that, and, thing that, and you guys understand, I'm a born again Christian. You guys know that. I'm, I'm totally, completely sold out to Yeshua. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I got born again in 1979, and while I was in graduate school at Florida State University, and, and quite frankly, I really feel that I'm led by the Holy Spirit in many areas of my life. And when I was listening to him talk about what was going on. I got a witness in my, my spirit that he was doing the best he could to tell the truth about what happened and what he had seen. And so the truth of the matter is, is this, guys, you know, he may not be as 100% accurate on every single thing, but the general information of Mr. Stodgrass's testimony seems very, very plausible to me. And so, guys, it's one of those things. We just got to pray for him and his family. But let's go and get started on the show tonight if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Let's Let's go. You know, one thing that is really bothering me more than anything else is that you know, human female pregnancy used to be sacrosanct. I mean, we learned with a thialamide mess back in the 50s when these children were being born with deformed arms and legs and limbs, and all of the things that's happened with diethylsilbestrol with women in the 50s that caused their daughters and their sons to have cancer of the, of the, of the testicles and cancer of the, of the ovaries, and all of these women who were basically infertile, who were the daughters of the women who took the diethylsilbestrol. We realized that we have to leave pregnant women alone. However, they're not doing that anymore. Now they're injecting pregnant women with immunizations for like flu shots and telling you that even if you're pregnant, you have to have this immunization. We're going to talk about that just in a few minutes. And they're also telling people to take drugs like ibuprofen during pregnancy. And now the research is showing that, especially if you're having a boy, that when you take ibuprofen during pregnancy, you suppress testosterone and it disrupts male development. Again, it's another thing like the estrogen mimickers like soy and like the estrogens in the food supply that messes up the child's development and disrupts his proper testicle and penis development. And it causes a bunch of problems with these kids. In fact, pregnant women are responsible for their child's health from one day to a, from conception to the adulthood, uh, you know, until adulthood because of how they're made in the womb. Pregnancy may have some painful side effects such as backaches and migraine, but it shouldn't be a reason to self-medicate with painkillers. Researchers from the Institute of Research in Environmental and Occupational Health, this is from France, found that pregnant women taking ibuprofen may cause problems with the development of fetuses, especially male ones. Led by Bernard Jagu, the study was performed by researchers from the University of Copenhagen together with the Rents University Hospital and Laboratory for the Study of Residues and Contaminants in Food. Results of the study, ibuprofen results in alterations of human fetal testes development, which are the testicles. This was published in the scientific reports and supported by the French National Agency of Medicine and Health Safety products. The experiments included xenografting, a process in which cells or organ or fragments or tissue from a living organism are transferred onto other species to understand their development. In this study's case, they used laboratory cultured testes tissue to graft onto mice and found massive change of the development of proper testes formation by using ibuprofen. So ladies, if you're pregnant, please don't use this. Speak with your medical doctor about other things you can take for pain. One thing you can take for inflammation is turmeric. 
and cod liver oil. Make sure that it doesn't have any mercury in it. Make sure it's been you know, distilled. And, and make sure that you understand that omega-3 fats and turmeric are two of the best anti-inflammatory agents that you could take. The reason this is so important to me right now is that my daughter-in-law is about to have another baby. She's about to have a little girl. This is Austin's wife. And she's got this little girl just absolutely waiting to come out. She'll be probably born within the next two weeks. And we're so excited to add another addition to the Brewer household. And so it's just so exciting to me to see the pregnancy. But the sad part about it, and I'm sure Austin will talk about this some tonight when he comes on, is the amount of children that he has seen now from his friends, because he's 29 years old, who don't take care of themselves like this as far as when they're pregnant with the prenatal nutrition. And they've used a lot of immunizations in the kids. And he's seen so many problems with his friends' children now including early onset signs of you know ADD, ADHD, uh, foot and mouth disease, all kinds of things from kids that have been immunized to the fullest extent of the pediatric care. And he's starting to find out now the kids who don't get immunized don't have any of these problems, Doug and Joe. Now, I'm going to say this very clearly because all of my kids are grown now. They're all raised. The last one starting college in the fall is that, you know, we didn't immunize our kids at all. Now, what I did, I had a medical doctor who is not a pediatrician. His name is Dr. Todd Robinson. He's in Lakeland, Florida. If you'd like to go visit him, he's a great guy, brilliant man. Good friend of mine, too, by the way. And he is the one who is taking care of all of our children. Now, here's the thing, though. I didn't bring the kids into the hospital, or excuse me, into Dr. Robinson's office on an ongoing basis to have what they call a healthy baby check. Now, you say, well, why wouldn't you do that? Well, the kid was healthy. And what I've learned over and over again, Doug and Joe, and again, you're, you're doing what you do with your children. It's entirely up to you and their doctor and your wife and your husband, whoever's involved in this. But I always thought about it this way. Why am I going to take a healthy child to a pediatrician's office or a doctor's office with a bunch of really sick children in there with a whole bunch of germs everywhere? Because if my kid's got a health problem or is sick or whatever, he needs to go to the doctor. That's one thing. But if the kid's developing properly and he's in the right growth phase and the right growth measurements and the right right weight, I mean, what in the world is the reason for taking them into a medical facility that may have staph or strep or all kinds of MRSA or whatever in that area? So that's what my thought was all of the time when we had little children. And, you know, and our kids have done well. I mean, Austin started college at 15. I like to brag on him a little bit. He'll be on at 9 o'clock. He he won't tell you this, but he started college and passed his entrance exams at 15 and graduated with his bachelor's degree at the age of 19. Then he finished his master's degree. Austin is absolutely brilliant, incredible child, incredible mathematics skills. Uh, Harrison, he's 18 years old now. He'll be graduating with his bachelor's degree in February and starting law school. He wants to be a college professor, hopefully at a Christian university. He'll be starting law school in the MBA program Oh, in, in the fall, at the age of 19, he'll already be in graduate school and getting his Juris Doctorate. And he's graduated as Collegiate Valedictorian of the Collegiate High School class, which means the top 1% of the class of all of Central Florida went to the high school and college at the same time, and he was Valedictorian of that. So Alexis, my 17-year-old, she passed her college entry exams at 14. Savannah, my 15-year-old, she passed her college entry exams at 12. Now, you think, well, that's just, you know, crazy. Well, yeah, it is actually kind of crazy they all did that. But I'm very proud of my children. But remember, none of them had mercury injected into them, and none of them had aluminum injected into their brains. None of them were on antibiotics, which destroy the gut flora. I mean, none of these kids, they were all super healthy. And, in fact, with Sharon and all the prenatal nutrition that we did, we just learned that if the mother's really, really healthy and she's taking prenatals, 
in almost every single case, if she's eating clean, the kids are going to be super healthy. And we've just learned that over and over and over again. Now, another study just came out. This is from Robert Kennedy Jr. And I just, just, this grieves me when I read stuff like this. It says some of the highest values of brain aluminum content ever measured are found in people and children with autism. Scientists have been aware of aluminum's neurotoxicity for decades. Although aluminum's apologists have tried to shroud the metal's risk of manufactured controversy, a growing number of reports by the researchers in the United Kingdom, France, Canada, Israel, and the U.S. and elsewhere have furnished substantive evidence of evidence linking aluminum to neuropathology, including epidemics of Alzheimer's disease and autism spectric disorder. Now, I personally believe, like Dr. Stephanie Sneff believes, that the autism is being caused by a combination of this neurotoxicity from the immunizations and glyphosate poisoning. Glyphosate is Roundup that is so unbelievably bad. Aluminum levels are particularly high in the male brains, including a 15-year-old boy with ASD who had the single study's highest brain aluminum measurement. And guys, it's not happening by accident. This is happening because these children are being injected with aluminum. What the research team found was startling. The study's quantitative arm documented consistently high aluminum levels representing some of the highest levels of brain aluminum content ever measured in healthy or diseased tissues. Specifically, all five individuals had at least one brain tissue with a pathologically significant level of aluminum greater as defined or equal to three micrograms per gram. That's huge, a dry brain weight. These are autopsy figures. Roughly two-thirds, 67% of the tissue samples displayed pathologically significant aluminum content, and aluminum levels were particularly high in the male brains, including a 15-year-old boy with ASD who had the single's highest brain aluminum measurement, 22.11 yeah, you know, mg per g for dry weight, many times higher than the pathological significant threshold. Some of the elevated aluminum levels rival the very high levels historically reported to victims of dialysis and of, of, of you, when you have kidney dialysis. Now, guys, it's really important that we understand what's going on with aluminum and stay away from pots and pans that contain aluminum. Don't cook in tin foil. Don't use aluminum chlorhydrate as an antiperspirant deodorant. Don't use any of that stuff. You know, we have natural, we have natural deodorants available at healthmasters.com and you don't need to put aluminum on your skin in any concentration whatsoever and you certainly don't need to ingest it or inject it into you. Remember, the flu shot contains not only the multivalve flu shot, contains not only mercury, but it also contains aluminum. These things are used as sterilants and as adjuvants and they well, Ted, need let me to be. Ask you. Yeah. Just, just real quick, uh, just one thing on the flu shot, uh, but first the aluminum. You say don't cook with aluminum. So when you do cook with aluminum, you're saying that that gets into the food that you consume and then... Joe, that's a great question. Now, remember, we've talked about frequency and energy fields on the show many times with you guys. In fact, that's some of my favorite stuff to talk about. I love talking about that stuff. And, you know, I think your listeners love it when I talk about stuff, especially, with, you know, with the blood of Christ and the energy and the Holy Spirit and the frequency and all that kind of stuff. Nothing in solid, nothing is solid in nature. If you look at things at a subatomic level, at a microscopic level, including aluminum, aluminum pan, it appears to be solid, but it's not. If you get it magnified enough, you can see straight through it, which means it's porous. And what happens when you drive heat through that aluminum and through that aluminum molecules, you speed up the aluminum's molecules in that pan. That's one of the reasons it gets so hot. And when you do that, it takes a lot of that aluminum and it puts it into the food itself. That's been shown over and over and over again. That's why you should never use any aluminum cookware. I don't care if it's clad in stainless steel. 
It's not as bad that way, but I don't care. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't use it because at a subatomic level, you know, we're basically air. I mean, you could take the entire planet and pull all the air out from behind between the molecules and it would be about the size of a softball. I mean, it would be a you know, concentrated mass. It would be extremely heavy, but it would be about the size of a softball. I know that sounds crazy to you guys when you think about it, but you have to look at how human beings and how the universe is put together. If you took the nucleus of an atom and you put it on the 50-yard line at a major collegiate or, or professional stadium and you took the next level, would be, you have two electrons in the first orbit and you had that from the 50-yard line, middle of the field, it would be at the top of the top of the bleachers, you know, like a hundred rows up. That's how much empty space is in that atom. It's all empty space. It's all held together. It says that the Bible says through Christ all of this is held together. The energy field that the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit puts together, it controls and keeps all of this stuff together. And what's interesting about that, the next field where the next set of electrons are would be like a mile away. So everything inside of there, everything is empty space. So when you cook with aluminum pans, you have to realize that you're driving aluminum molecules directly from the pan into your food. Same thing is true with Teflon. You should never use Teflon food. That is so poisonous what Teflon is. It's a horrible product. So I always tell people, don't use aluminum, don't use Teflon. Use stainless steel, use cast iron, use glass. That's okay. In fact, if you, you go online, if you'd like, you can go to the old-fashioned Revereware. It's basically stainless steel cookware with a copper-clad bottom on it. This stuff's antiques now. You buy it online for next to nothing, much cheaper than new cookware where it's going to be. And you can go to YouTube or Amazon or you, or eBay, and you can buy all kinds of cookware that's called Revereware. And I have a favorite pan that I use. It's a Revereware skillet, and I use it pretty much every single day. It cooks great, and it's all stainless steel with copper on the bottom side. Not going to be a toxic pan to use. Uh, Wolfgang Puck also makes some solid stainless steel pans that don't have any aluminum cladding in them that are new. You can get those. But if you have aluminum clad cookware or if you have aluminum cookware, you need to completely avoid it. Now, if you want to know if it's pure aluminum or not, if you put a magnet on it, it won't stick to it. Of course, aluminum, but a magnet won't stick to a stainless steel pan either because it doesn't have any iron in it. It's, just, it's one way you can test, though. So it's one of those things you need to realize, like you put cast iron in it, the, the magnet will stick right to it. So even if you're cooking on these uh, these these cooktops, those these induction ranges now, you know we use cast iron on those because we have one of those in the RV, and so it makes it very convenient to use it. But those are not really a good stove to use on on a regular basis, the induction stoves, because of the frequency they cook the food at, which is not really healthy for the human body. Anything else you want to talk about with that, Joe? Not with the aluminum, but back to the the flu shots with pregnant women. And I just got to ask you this, Ted, because I, I was doing a search here and I found some interesting things. Was there a time when they said that pregnant women should not have flu shots? Absolutely, yes. Okay, this, this, last, this is the last five, ten years. They, before that, they were they always told, if you talk to pediatricians that have been in practice for many, many years, they'll tell you, we were told that the pregnancy is sacrosanct. After what happened with thimerosal and all that mess with the diethylstilbestrol back in the 50s, uh, they were basically leaving women alone. They weren't messing with them. They were telling them not to smoke, not to drink. I mean, I, I know medical doctors now, and God forgive them for this. They're telling pregnant women it's okay to drink alcohol. I mean, I, I can't even believe that this political correctness is run to this level. They're saying, well, if you want to have a glass of wine or two or three or four every night while you're pregnant, it's fine. It's not fine. It's not okay. And, you know, you can't be drinking alcohol when you're pregnant. Alcohol is a neurotoxin. And why in the world are you going to ingest that into your body and have a chance of it going through the, through the, you know, through the placental barrier? It's just not worth the risk. 
And see, and this is the same thing that we have with people drinking aspartame and all these things. Guys, let me give you an example. You know, for the first time last year in a long time, they actually admitted that the death rates or the life expectancy rates are going down in the United States. Now, I was going to cover this later on the show, but I'll talk about it now. What's interesting about this is they're blaming that on the amount of people that are overdosing now on narcotics, primarily opiates, in the workplace and at home. As you know, my brother-in-law, Todd, he died of a heroin overdose two years ago. This is Sharon's half-brother from a different mother, the same father. And he was 37 years old and had been involved with drugs most of his adult life. And far back to started when he was a teenager. And what was interesting about this is you know, they found him dead on Colonial Drive in Orlando, which is also known as Heroin Highway here in Central Florida. And the, the person who was doing the investigation there, I arrived shortly after the body had been removed, he told me that every week they're pulling bodies out of there who have been basically who died on heroin highway, sometimes multiple times a week. It's to the point now where his father, uh, Sharon's father, uh, tried to get an investigation done onto where Todd had gotten the drugs, and all they saw Todd was as another junkie who had died, and they wouldn't even do the investigation onto where the drugs came from because it was just the death of another junkie. Now, Todd was a National Merit Scholarship recipient, he claimed to have graduated from the University of Central Florida, which I don't know if he did that or not, because I, I never saw a diploma and I never received an invitation. And he had a real bad problem with telling the truth. So the problem with all of this is that a lot of people now are dying in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s in the United States from heroin overdoses and Oxycontin overdose and deaths. So what's happening, the actual life expectancy in the United States is going down. But now I've got to share one other statistic with you that's super important. And I did the math on this a few years ago, and so I'm a little fuzzy on it, but I can tell you what I found out. Right now, we have the highest infant death rate of any industrialized nation in the United States. In other words, we have more babies die in this country than any other industrialized nation. That's primarily because of bad prenatal nutrition. That's bad. That's primarily because of immunizations. That's primarily because of sudden infant crib death, which occurs like in 80% of the time within 72 hours after immunizations. All of these things add up to having the highest infant death rate in the United in the world. Now you say, well, how do you know that the that these flu shots and these immunizations and all these things these kids are getting are actually causing these deaths or some deaths. Well, the reason for that is the vaccine compensation fund, which is given to people whose children have been proven to have been killed from vaccines or damaged from vaccines, has played out, has paid out now close to $5 billion. Now, these are the children that they actually admit have been damaged by vaccinations. So we're not pretending like this doesn't happen. We're pointing this out. Now, if you look at the national, the death statistics with these children that are being aborted in the United States, we have close to 60 million children aborted now since the early 70s, since Roe v. Wade. And what's interesting about this is we have the highest infant death rate in the United, in the world. So a lot of these children are not going to be counted as a death statistic because they were aborted because a lot of these families are low income. A lot of these families can't have proper nutrition. A lot of these families would be having these children that would be dying right after birth anyhow because they were either drug children or alcohol children. So all of those numbers would skew the numbers down for this quote unquote extended life expectancy we have in the United States, which is, you know, almost 80 years of age now. And I actually did the numbers and it was closer to 65. When you take all of the children who would have died via natural death from immunizations and sudden infant crib death, everything else that had been aborted if you because they don't remember, if a baby goes to nine months and you have a partial birth abortion, that baby is dead, but that baby's not counted into a death statistic. 
that baby no longer calculates into the statistic of the age. Let me give you an example. If, a, if one person lives to be 100 years of age and the baby lives to be zero, the average life expectancy of those two people was 50 years of age. So that's how you have to calculate these numbers. So if you take those numbers and you look at them, it's much, much lower. It's like 10 or 15 years lower from the numbers that I calculated years ago just simply because we have so many people dying so young. Now, secondly, the amount of people that are coming down with senile dementia and the amount of people that are coming down with early onset Alzheimer's in their 40s and 50s, sometimes as low as their 30s, is going through the roof because of the chemtrails, because of the immunizations, because of the flu shots, because of the glyphosate, because of all the medications they're being given. That's one of the reasons we developed that brain food product that we, you know, we, we, we sell so much of that magnesium product that goes through the blood brain barrier. And according to the research that we did on it, it helps to get aluminum back out of the brain, which is super important because you can't allow yourself to start coming down with senile dementia because you're breathing chemtrails. And we talked about this at length in shows, the entire show on chemtrails and geoengineering before. So I don't want to go into that right now. You guys can listen Ted, to the archive. But Ted, Ted, if you don't mind, uh, just showcase uh, that product uh, for us. Tell me the name again of that product. Tell it's, everyone the name it's, again called, of that it's called Magnesium Brain Food. Okay. And to me, I take three scoops of that every single morning, and it's uh, it's available online at healthmasters.com. And we talk about it in the book, the new book we have, the new cookbook, and we have. And I take it every single day because, guys, it's one of those things. If you have a product that actually helps to pull aluminum back out of the system. You need to use it. That's, what I, that's how I look at it. The same thing with the powdered multiple vitamin. You know, Sharon can come on and tell you at 9:30 that she was having real bad ridges in her in her fingernails, and she couldn't get them to go away. Well, we developed this new multiple vitamin that's phenomenal, and this vitamin basically uh, has gotten rid of the ridges in her fingernails, and her nails are like talons now. I mean, good grief! I mean, they used to break and chip and split all the time. They don't do that anymore. Plus, it's what I used to heal my broken foot in just a matter of just a few weeks. It was crazy how fast it healed when I broke the L5 uh, metatarsal. Not L5, the, 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 number, the fifth metatarsal. The fifth metatarsal on my left foot. And, uh, you know, and I remember, remember, I, it was so funny, I remember I did that last fall, spring, Doug and Joe, and I had your show to do that night, and I did your show with a broken foot sitting here going, man, this foot hurts. <laughs> it hurts. I remember I that. I yeah. whine, I I, well, I didn't whine about it because there's no point because I didn't know exactly what was wrong with it. I thought I could have had a sprain, so the next day I went to the um, walk-in clinic and they x-rayed it told me that I was right about the, about the, about the fifth metatarsal being broken. But the, the thing about it is, if there's several things you can take. If you take, then we're talking about the holiday blues tonight too. I mean, I can jump on that for just a second. If you've got problems because you've looked, and we just found another person yesterday. Her grandmother died yesterday. So, so many people, they've lost loved ones during the holidays. There's some things that you can take that really help you as far as dealing with the stress of the holidays. Number one is our cortisol buster. It's a phenomenal product, and we've done a whole section on a show one time on that. It's adaptogenic herbs, three of them, that allow your brain basically to calm down and stay stable and focused like all the time. I take the product like all the time, like three or four times a week. Uh, number two is B-complex. The methylated B vitamins are what really allows the mitochondrial and the Krebs cycle of the body, which is the energy cycle of the body, to keep going and stay frosty and keep you really mentally acute. Also, vitamin C to maintain cellular integrity and D3K2, which has been shown with vitamin D3 alone to massively uh, decrease the problems with the seasonal affective disorder, which is basically people get the holiday blues because they're in areas that have very little sunshine and they're not producing enough vitamin D. And of course, I always take the multiple vitamin and I also take the vitamin E because it's a great blood thinner and it really helps with libido. And then I take the HGH stimulate 
I love that product because that helps to burn body fat, increase lean muscle weight, and it really works well. Uh, again, it's like a natural Viagra. It's a great product. I love that product. In fact, that's our number one seller, by the way. That, that, that product has the highest resale order of anything we have on the market because it's such an effective product and it works so incredibly well. So that's a really good stack. You're basically, that's a, just a healthy stack. And then what I would also do is throw a little bit of cod liver oil in there. You can get it in capsules or, te- or, or liquid on the website and that allows you to get the omega-3 fats in there. And that by itself, that protocol right there, will really address a lot of the holiday blues and really make you feel good and give you really stable energy and really good clean thought as far as your brain's clicking like on all cylinders. And also the one thing I did notice, every once in a while I have a little bit of issue with brain fog. I mean, I'm 62 years old. I'm not a kid anymore, but very rare. But I, when I, as soon as I start taking that magnesium brain food, that stopped. I mean, I haven't had any more problems with brain fog at all. I mean, it, I mean my brain's clicking on all cylinders all the time now, so I love that product. So that's the basic healthy protocol that I would use to overcome the holiday blues. I guess I need to put together a Hagman Healthy Holiday Blues Protocol on <laughs> the website. We've, we've already got we've already got the Hagman Healthy Blood Sugar Protocol, and the Health the Healthy Hagman Healthy you know you know you know Blood Sugar Protocol, and ha- and the all, all the stuff we have, and then the health, Healthy Immune System Protocol, and then we've got the Hodges Healthy Joint Protocol. So there's all kinds of neat things that we do on the website that we can really help people from all over the country. I had a, another guy's name is Drew. I won't mention he's a, he works for a major university here locally, and he was having problems with his blood pressure. And he started on the HGH stimulators. His blood pressure was really high, and uh, they wanted to put him on all these different drugs. And he started on the HGH stimulator, and within two weeks they went and did a stress test on him, and his bottom number was like it was like 140 over 80, or well, I'm sorry, 140 over 90, and it dropped down to like 75 in like just a couple of weeks. I mean, it's just his bottom number did 75 to 80. And it was almost, and he said, Ted, I haven't done anything else. They went and did a stress test. They couldn't believe how good my heart was doing. He says, I'm really pleased to do this because his father died in his mid forties, not in his mid forties. And so Drew doesn't want to have those types, some type of statistics with himself. He's on a full healthy protocol. So guys, it's very important that all of us understand that our health is our most valuable asset. Let me give you another example. We now know the water supplies in the United States are contaminated with lead and everything else. We know when they put hydrofluorosilicic acid in the water pipes in these old cities, the, the fluoride, that it basically puts in the solution the lead that's been used as solder, and so the water supply is basically contaminated with lead. Right now, the CDC test just revealed that 3,800 U.S. water supplies now have up to 400% more contamination of lead and contaminants than Flint, Michigan. I mean, 3,800 of them are up to 400 times worse than Flint. For years, there's been an ongoing debate about the levels of lead that they found in drinking water in Flint, Michigan. But recent studies show that water conditions are just as bad in many other areas throughout the country. In fact, Reuters recently published neighborhood blood level lead tests resulting from 34 states, as well as Washington, D.C., which collected for the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. The results showed that 3,800 neighborhood areas had levels of lead that are at least double those seen in Flint. I mean, this is the water that people are drinking, Doug, because of the hydrofluorosilicic acid. I remember yeah. years ago, I was on. Ted, I just I was, want to I say on. there's a school uh, around here that did a, a test for lead in their in the water, and they had to shut down 75% of the faucets because they had uh, just a huge amount of, of lead. compared. And it was weird because in the same school, they had other faucets that did not have that same contamination, but the majority what of them did. Well, it, it depends on which pipes they're coming in, Joe, because when you have old pipes that are old, 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 depending on which water main they're using, what ends up happening is those pipes have been used, they've used lead solder, I mean, you know, inside the pipes. They don't use that anymore as far as they're using the plastic PVC pipes now. And that lead 
and this is one of the reasons that copper pipes have such a hard time in staying. They had to go to the PVC because the CPVC they call it. Because the problem is, is the water is acidic with the hydrofluorosilicic acid in it. And then they put alum in it to clear it. It's not only you have, it gives you like a tenfold increase in aluminum uptake when you do that. And so they know all of this. They know the chemistry. Years ago, I was on a cruise ship and I wanted to know, you know, how they, how they basically clean their water on the ship for drinking purposes in the restaurants. And they said they use distilled water. They said they take the water and they make it from the sea. They use seawater and they use giant RO units and distillation systems to make enough drinking water for the ship. And I said, well, do you put fluoride in your ship's pipes so people get fluoride? They go, absolutely not. That stuff is so corrosive that it will eat the pipes and they'll start leaking on the insides of the ship. And it's very difficult to repair that stuff. We can't put corrosive materials like hydrofluorosilicic acid in our pipes because it just causes too much damage to the interior of the ship. Guys, this is what they're doing, and this is why so many of these places are contaminated. Now, in Detroit last week, they found a third human body part, a suspected human body part, is a kidney floating in the water processing center. Now, you've got human body parts floating in there, because that could, who knows why that could be. That's somebody could have had a, somebody could have been stealing somebody's kidney and the thing went bad and they were whatever, or they were, could have hacked somebody up and thrown them in the water supply system, and they're floating around. Remember, in the majority of these big cities, when you're drinking the tap water, you're drinking reprocessed sewage water. People don't understand that, Doug and Joe. They're not getting a fresh source from a spring. It's coming in through all of the pipes that are coming into the city, and it's basically decontaminated. Now, in some cities, they don't do that. They use the fresh sources if they're available to them. But, guys, there's so many – I mean, it's like this. Let's say, for instance, I take a human kidney from a dead person, and I throw it in a glass of water, and I shake it around some. All right? I'm looking at it. Now, I think, well, I'm not going to drink that, so I take the dead kidney out, and I pour it through a charcoal filter. Now the water's clear. I don't see any dead kidney cells floating in there anymore. There's still dead kidney residue in that water. So am I going to sit there and drink that water? The answer is absolutely not. And plus, if it has hydrofluorosilicic acid in it, now it's got lead in it, no, don't, don't do that. You always have to use a filtration system. That's why we have the distillation systems that are office-y, and they're the best. We have a countertop distiller that's like three or $400. We have one that's bigger than that. And then we've got a whole big one that sits in the garage, makes like 12 gallons of reserve water. It pumps the water through food-grade tubing to your refrigerator and to your ice maker. That's what we use. Would it filter those kidney particles? Yeah, no, there, no, there's no kidney particles in it because here's why. Number one, I'm on a well, number one. Uh, and number two, I don't try to filter the water with a distiller. It doesn't work that way. The water isn't filtered. The water is boiled. And so you separate the water as steam from the water that you put into it. So there is no filtration taking place. It's, it's basically turning back into rainwater, into a cloud, and it goes into the steam, and all the contaminants are left in the bottom of the boil tank. Then it goes through a stainless steel condensing coil through a charcoal impregnated cartridge, and then it goes into a 12-gallon holding tank. And then what we do is we take a little, about a capful of our Aquatrace mineral substance that we have, and we dump it into the distilled water to put some electrolytes back into the water, bring the pH up a little bit. Now, you don't have to do that if you don't want to, though. And, and But we do it here at the house. And then that, about once a month, we put another capful of the, the minerals in the water. And it constantly produces water, and it's just easy to do it that way. Now, you should see this stuff. I've got, in fact, I've got a video on the website of me taking a, 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 a screwdriver and hacking the bottom of this pan with all this calcium carbonate and 
big chunks, it looks like concrete, coming out of the water with who knows what else contaminants are in there. And this is the same stuff that would build up in your arteries. That's why it's called hardening of the arteries, because this stuff builds up inside of your body. So even if you're on a well, like we are, this is what I'm getting out of my well water. Not to mention you're going to have atrazine in there, you're going to have glyphosate in there, you're going to have who knows what other kind of contaminants in there, even from the well. So it's so important that you don't put this stuff into your system. Remember, either you're going to use a filter, or you're going to be a filter via your kidneys and your liver. So you got to make a choice. And I would not want to drink a glass of water that had a human kidney floating in it a week earlier. I have no interest in that. So that's why we make our own water. In fact, we'll walk out, guys, and then we'll have like a gallon apple juice jug full of distilled water. It looks like moonshine. And people are always asking, what's in the jug? You know, and I'm like, well, we just basically distilled water. We make our own water. And they're like, you make your own water? Well, yeah, we, we turn it to steam and recondense it and make our own. And see, and this is what's so unique about distillation because nothing else does that. You've got to run it through a filtration system. And the filtration is only going to take out a certain percentage of it, but it's not going to separate the water via steam from the contaminants in the bottom. But it's very important if you get a distillation system that it has a volatile gas vent. Because if there's any chemicals like chlorine or whatever, fluorine in that water, you don't want that recondensing back into your water. You want it escaping through the volatile gas vent to allow these things to come off and basically be purged from the water, which is another thing that we make sure that our distillation systems have those. And some of them, a lot of them online, in fact, the majority of them do not have that. So that's why I would not drink that type of water whatsoever. But that's, that's just a thing on water that I want to cover with you guys today, and especially if you're pregnant. Why do you want to put water into your body that's been contaminated with human kidney residue if you're in Detroit, Michigan? I mean, this is crazy. And it's just, it's just crazy stuff, guys. No, if I, if I can ask a question, because undoubtedly I'm going to get an email about this. If Let's just say somebody lives in suburbia, and, and of course they get their, their water from a tap. You take that water and take one of your distillers and distill mm-hmm. that water from the tap, just a countertop distiller. Mm-hmm. That should be sufficient, is what you're saying, to take care of the contaminants, the distillation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Num- num- okay. Number one, let, let, let's, let's say, number one, there cannot be any bacteria contaminant in the water that you're making because, number one, it boils, it turns into steam. Anything in right. it is going to die. And the heavy metals are going to stay in the bottom of the boil tank. And what you have to do, you got to clean the boil tank out every so often. So the, the, one, the countertop unit's easy. It's got a gallon container with it. It's all BPA-free. You fill it up with just tap water. You pour it in half of the distiller. You stick your gallon container back under the other half of the distiller. About two and a half hours, you have a gallon of distilled water out. Pops. Just, just, that's it, that fast. And the one I have at my house, the bigger one, I love it because I don't have to fill it. It does it all by itself. It fills itself, pumps the water to my refrigerator, pumps the water to my ice maker. So I have distilled ice. And then I have a gooseneck faucet by the kitchen sink that's all distilled water. And so what that allows me to do is just go to the kitchen sink, grab a glass of water, or go to the ice maker, because the ice maker also has distilled water coming out of the ice maker. I can get water out of the refrigerator, get distilled ice out of the refrigerator, or get distilled water from the gooseneck faucet. So that's the big system that we sell. That one's a little bit more expensive. That's a couple thousand dollars here. Well, that's a lot of money. Guys, there's home filtration and systems that sell for four and five and ten thousand dollars. It's yeah, not a lot I, of money. Yeah. I, I got I got a quote on on uh, the whole house. Yeah, unsolicited quotation from uh, from a company, a local company here, uh, seventy two hundred and fifty dollars for a uh, filtration system that does not that that really doesn't. Uh, your distiller, frankly, would uh, I would take that over over anything. Um, well, and, yes. and plus we have, and now, now mine doesn't pump water through the kitchen sink and all that kind of stuff and through the right. showers. But we also have filtrate. We also have charcoal filters 
which take the trihalomethanes and the chlorine out of the water. And so many people don't realize how hard that is on the skin and on the hair. I know my wife, when we go on vacation because she colors her hair, she won't even use water that's been heavily chlorinated. So we have a little, we take the little filter we have and just screw it on the shower in the hotel. And it, what it does, it just provides purified water to take a shower in because it doesn't mess up the coloring. You know, she has her hair highlighted. It doesn't mess that up. Uh, to me, you know, I, I don't mind every once in a while taking a shower in tap water like that, but I have to, I'm very careful that I'm only in the shower for a few seconds, not a few hours, you know, because remember the University of Pittsburgh did a study a few years ago and they found that if you took a 15 minute hot shower that was steamy, that you had the equivalent absorption of trihalomethanes as, as if you had drunk eight glasses of contaminated water. So if you're going to be taking those long hot showers, you really need to get a filtration system if you're on city water. Now the well water is not as bad because you're not going to have as many, you know, problems like that with trihalomethanes, which is a combination of organic compounds and chlorine. So you have to avoid that. Plus you're not going to be soaking your body in fluoride. So remember guys, fluorine is a very reactive compound. It's, it's what they used in the concentration camps to calm people down so they become servile and infertile and when we got the research from Dachau and all those other concentration camps after World War II in 1946-47 they started mandating and putting fluoride in the water supply in the United States it's sterility agent is what it is and also it makes you very you know it makes you non-confrontational in addition to that it's one of the, it's part of the it's part of the active ingredient in Prozac. It's, it, there's actually a fluorine molecule that's attached in the Prozac molecule when you're taking that tricyclic antidepressant uh, or serotonin excuse me serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And so it's so important, guys, that you understand that a lot of active ingredients and a lot of drugs have fluorine involved with it. Remember, sarin nerve gas is fluorine gas. I mean, this thing people don't get all this stuff, Doug. They they try they they brainwashed us into believing that fluorine is good for you, that fluoride is good for you. Fluorine gas is sarin sarin nerve gas. It's one of the active components of sarin. So you've got to understand how poisonous this stuff is. And it's a bromine on top of very it's not a bromine, it's a halogen. You have you have bromine Fluorine, chlorine, they're all halogens along with iodine. And when you ingest this stuff into your body, your thyroid thinks that you're basically taking in iodine and it absorbs this junk. And so it really messes up the thyroid gland, which causes a lot of people to get sluggish and start gaining a lot of weight because their thyroid stops working because it has been contaminated with fluorine and chlorine and bromine and it doesn't even have enough room in there to put the iodine in if you get any iodine in there. That's why it's so important to take your potassium iodide every single day, 12.5 milligrams. And we have a nascent iodine, which I think our iodine is like $25. And nascent iodine in most websites when you go to this, this pure, you'd be paying $100 for the bottle we have that we sell for like 25 because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take a product that is absolutely critical and market market way up like that. I'm not going to do it because if we can get a good price at a good high quality product like that at Health Masters, we're going to pass that savings on to the listeners. And that's that's why we have so many people, Doug and Joe, who write us like on an ongoing basis like every single day about how great they feel using our products and how much energy they have and how they're the best nutritional supplements they've ever used. And so, but I'm not trying to, I'm not, let's, let's talk about more stuff. Harvard immunologist says to legislatures, unvaccinated children pose zero risk to anyone. This is this this is this is a good article. Her name is Tanyanya. I'm going to spell it O B U K H A N Y C H. She holds a PhD in immunology, and she's writing this letter saying that children, basically in the public domain who have not been vaccinated don't hold any risk for children who have been vaccinated. That's what they're trying to say is that children who are vaccinated are going to be posing, giving, getting a risk 
And I remember, Doug, because when we uh, we had our children in a place called All Saints, it's here in Winter Haven, and they started putting up signs that said Happy Holidays. And I got into a big argument with the staff there. I said, why are we putting up Happy Holiday signs when it's Christmas and we're supposed to be called a Christian school here? This makes no sense to me. And it's just what they was political correctness again, of course, run amok. But what was interesting about this, I had to go to the health department. I had to get what's called a immunization waiver form, a religious immunization waiver form. And I remember it was kind of funny to me. I went in to get this form. I had to do it for all the kids. And when I sat down to get the form, they bring a nurse out. And she starts giving me this big lecture about, you know, this yada, 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 you know, about what they're going to do, but, you know, all this other stuff. And how if there's an, if, 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 then she goes, if there's a measles outbreak in the schools, then your children will have to be quarantined at home. And I looked at her and she, she didn't even realize what she just said. And I said, well, what's your compliance rate with measles vaccinations? Oh, we have like a 99.99% compliance rate in the public school system. I said, okay, why would there possibly be a measles outbreak? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's a question for you, Doug and Joe. Why would there be a measles outbreak? And she looked well, at me kind of funny. And she, she looked at me kind of funny. She goes, oh, I haven't really thought about that. I'm like, <laughs> you might want to think about that. I said, this is kind of a silly whole thing you're running to me through. And it was so funny. By the time I got to the fourth kid, Savannah, and I'm over there getting this waiver form again, the nurse comes out and tells the other nurse, don't even bother with him. He's going to take your stuff when you get done talking to him. He's going to throw it in the garbage can right beside you. And he goes, he's not going to listen. He's just not going to do that. And I looked at her and I said, she's absolutely right. Just give me the form and let me go. I have my religious rights here because I'm not going to take all of these chemicals and all these adjuvants and all of this squalene and all this other stuff and inject into these kids. Remember, Snodgrass said, and I said this years ago, when they gave the anthrax vaccine to the people in Afghanistan, not Afghanistan, in Iraq back in the 90s, that thing wasn't properly tested. It wasn't tested really at all. Because they had a, it was usually a six-month product protocol on getting these people so they could be around anthrax, you know, without getting sick. But the United States government had given these guys had given Saddam weaponized anthrax to use in the Iran War. And what's interesting about this, Doug and Joe, these troops that got these anthrax vaccines and got exposed to all of that depleted uranium, they started having all kinds of problems. They called Gulf War syndrome. And also another thing that was affected, they didn't they didn't mention this one was that they were putting diet sodas in containers and they were getting heated up to well over 100 degrees, which breaks down the constituent components of the diet sodas and the phenylalanine and aspartic acid and paint thinner methanol. And they were ingesting this stuff and they were basically poisoning themselves with methanol, which can cause a lot of the same symptoms of Gulf War poisoning, along with the depleted uranium and, of course, with the anthrax. And again, in that Oklahoma City building, according to to, uh, to Snodgrass, you know, he told us, he told everybody, I'm sure he told you this on your show the other night, the records for all of these adverse reactions were being housed and the government knew they had a massive massive liability problem associated with all these veterans and he said that's one of the primary reasons they destroyed that building now I have heard that in the past and now he's verifying it but I've never really talked about that very much because that's one of those things that's very difficult to pinpoint the exact reason why a building was demoed like that but I found it very fascinating and very plausible that they would do that because remember in the Solomon building building 7 at the trade towers when they went down that day on 9-11 they held all of the physical evidence there in the FBI headquarters there in the Solomon building of Enron and Ken LaHaye and all of the mischief that had been done with those guys defrauding billions and billions and billions of dollars from utility customers. And all those records were destroyed, and we had no further prosecutions with Enron. And also, the uh, Pentagon, the part of the Pentagon that was hit by we know was not, a, was not an airplane, 
basically it had all the records and the audit was being done looking for the $2.3 trillion that were missing and all those records were destroyed and those people were killed. And now we have, of course, the records now is the $21 trillion that's missing or they can't account for. And it just gets worse and worse and worse with this shadow government that we have in the United States that is operating through the Exchange Stability Fund and that the actual Federal Reserve System is part of the CIA and works together in cahoots with these guys. We saw all that last year. So it's one of those things that we have to continue to talk about and make sure that we understand that this whole thing that's happening with the government is not okay. None of it's okay. And I feel so bad for these soldiers that have had all these horrible, horrible side effects. And a lot of them have died, Doug and Joe, from the anthrax vaccine. And a lot of them have come down with senile dementia and Alzheimer's disease. A lot of them have all kinds of post-traumatic stress syndrome because they've been so sick from all of the stuff that happened to them in the Gulf War. So none of this stuff is okay. The problem is we've been taught to believe that it's okay because of learned helplessness, because of normalcy bias, because of Tavistock programming, because of the Delphi method that's being used in so many schools, and all of the different techniques of mind control that are being used upon us, because we are basically being mind controlled. A Facebook executive finally came out and said it this past week. He said, hey, Ted, Look, you don't, Ted, yeah, buddy. Let, let's stop right there. Let's pick up right here on the other side uh, with the Facebook exec, because this is something that I want to talk about a little bit. Want to give a quick announcement, folks? Go to the Hagman Patreon account. There is, if you're already signed up, if you're already a member, there's a new digital downloads available for the people who have donated five dollars or more. The Hagman Christmas card and computer background is available there. It is available in the post section on the front of the page. Go to patreon.com backslash Hagman Report. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. Friday edition of the Hagman Report on this last broadcast before our short Christmas break. I want to just urge everybody to support the people who support our show, the sponsors of this show, from Bob Griswold's ready-made resources to T.C. Joseph, as well as uh, Greenovative, Alan Riggs at Greenovative. We just want to give a special thank you to those people who are out there supporting us and, and doing great work. And not to forget the last but not least, our guest tonight, Dr. Ted Brewer and HealthMasters.com. Ted, before the break, you were talking about what Facebook had admitted this last week and that there's a number of things that came out. One, it admitted that their, um, their program was bad for society. And I'm not sure what, what article you picked up, but there, uh, have been a number of people working at Facebook who have come out and said some pretty interesting things about the organization and some of their political leanings, their their tactics that they use, as well as the visions for, you know, the company. Well, they have a dystopian future vision of what they have. But uh, well, I want to say this real quick before I get to that. The Eat Clean and Be Healthy book, when you order $200 worth of stuff from Health Masters, this you know until Monday until Christmas uh, we're going to give you the book for free it's a $30 value it's, it's a brand new release and a lot of you bought it you love it and so if you order $200 for the stuff you're going to be getting a $30 book for free which is like a like a 15% discount which is a great value um, in addition to that it's available on Kindle 
Uh, we uh, dropped the Kindle price down to $9.95. And so if you want to get a Kindle version of the book that you can sit there and use your iPad while you're cooking so you can blow the screen up or blow the print up or whatever you want to do, uh, that's available too on Kindle. We want to make that available for everybody too. And that's, that's $9.95. That's a, that's, we wanted, we just wanted to get the price down, but the, we, the hardback version is the $29.95 version. And that one is going to be free for any order of $200 or more from the Hackman special from the Hackman show. This weekend, uh, here's an article I have on Facebook. Joe, former Facebook executive says you don't realize it, but you are being programmed. A former Facebook executive who openly admits to not using social media has come out about the role he played in ripping apart the fabric of society. Shamath Papalata has publicly declared that he really didn't understand the consequences of what he was doing. This isn't the first time in a social media powerhouse, a social, social media powerhouse has come forward with regret for helping create a social media platform. Facebook's first president, Sean Parker, opened up about his regrets over helping creating a social media as we now know in, in the last month. This is one you were talking about, Joe. Parker has said that social media creates a social validation feedback loop by giving people a little dopamine hit. Here we go. Once, every once in a while, because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. Papalapi also has worked with Facebook from 2005 to 2011, expressed his concerns during a recent public discussion at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. He told the audience, I think we have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. So in reality, it's a really bad state of affairs in my opinion, eroding the core foundation of how people behave by and between each other. Also, I don't have a good solution. My solution is I simply don't use Facebook or these tools anymore, and I haven't used these tools for years. He goes on to say that the short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops they've created are destroying the society. He told the audience that no civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth, and it's not an American problem. This is about about all of these different ads. It's a global problem. And, you guys, this is something that's so important. I don't use Facebook. I don't do it. I simply don't. Now, my, 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 my health master's account, we have a Facebook for that, but I'm not going to post all the personal information about me or my family or whatever on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever. I don't do that. And you guys probably want to thank me for that. So me, instead of me sending you 25 tweets a day and dealing with you dealing on your cell phone all day long, I don't see any point in it. Here's the thing. When you have a dopamine trigger like this, he's exactly right. You're constantly checking your cell phone because the brain loves dopamine. We talked about it on the last show a few weeks ago. And this dopamine is always being released when you get something positive said about you, when you're affirmed by someone. Oh, I like the post or I like the photo or I like this. You get a little push in your brain. It goes, wow, I got a good feel-good chemical coming out of that. They're training you like lab rats. And so you're being programmed by this type of technology. This goes back to Tavistock programming with the shell shock that was worked in, 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 in during World War One, and how they developed this type of programming using Sigmund Freud's techniques and the operant classical conditioning through Skinner and through the Frankfurt School. That's what's happening here with all of this. And we are basically being taught and worked with like we're lab rats, and they're trying to get certain responses from us to continue to condition us to do what they want by moving the entire how should I say, the paradigm of public opinion and the belief structure in the United States further and further and further to the left until we accept this communist dystopian future that's basically also got Nazi particles running all the way through it that Bill and Hillary Clinton and George W. and George H. and, Bill and all these guys and Barack Obama were trying to force upon us. I mean, 
for the very first time now in like over 30 years, we finally have a president in the White House who basically has people come in and pray for him on a regular basis. Now, it grieves me that he's drinking so many diet sodas. Now, the good news about that is uh, my pastor friend, Rodney Howard Brown, is on the pastor's advisory committee, and he has a direct hotline into the White House. And when I sent him the information on the aspartame, he asked me to send him an article that would explain exactly what aspartame does to the brain and why it's so bad. And I wrote an article on this very topic about 20 years ago. It's called Aspartame, A Chronicle of Crime. It's available on my website at healthmasters.com. I have lifted the copyright off this article. And it goes into detail on why aspartame is a brain entrainment molecule and why it should never, ever be used. Guys, this is bad that he's on 12 diet sodas a day. But the truth of the matter is I hope the article has now been sent to the White House. And I hope that he reads it and it can help him to get off of these products altogether. Because, guys, aspartame is one of those very, very difficult drugs. And I call it a drug or compounds that people get on, involved in. And because of this same dopamine trigger that this Facebook executive is talking about, it causes a lot of people to have a very hard time in breaking that addiction. So because we have an aspartic, the reason for this, it's got phenylalanine, aspartic acid, and methanol in it. The phenylalanine is in high concentrations will cause permanent nerve and brain damage in anybody. The aspartic acid actually has a receptor site in the brain, which triggers a dopamine response. That's why it's so addictive. It's the same thing like with Facebook. So when you're drinking diet sodas, you're constantly feeding that aspartic that aspartic acid receptor side of the brain kicking out a little shot of dopamine into your brain making you feel better that's why people get so addicted to the diet sodas some of them will drink like like President Trump 12 a day I have I know people that were drinking over 100 ounces of diet sodas almost a, a gallon a day uh, one of my friends his name is John I knew him from like 40 years ago even longer than that 43 years ago and I remember I used to work out with him and he came to my office uh, three or four years ago, Doug and Joe, and he was hammering about a hundred, about a gallon of diet sodas a day, because he worked in the heat in a garage as a mechanic, and he said he did, he liked it because it really helped him get a lot of fluids in without getting any calories, because he needed to be entertained by his beverage, I guess. And I, I warned him about the problem with optic nerve degradation. When you ingest that much methanol, which is paint thinner, it causes optic nerve degradation in a lot of people. Plus, it also causes massive problems with mood swings. And it wasn't, and I pleaded with him to stop doing it because of the methanol causing optic nerve degradation and has been linked to blindness in several cases. And what ended up happening, he finally called me up a couple of years later and he goes, well, I've gone to the doctor, I've gone blind in one of my eyes. And the doctor says that I have optic nerve degradation. And I said, I'm so sorry that happened to you, John. I tried my best to stop you from drinking this stuff. It is so unhealthy and it's so bad for you. So now he's off of this. He's no longer drinking aspartame or diet sodas. And he basically gets sworn off and won't touch it anymore because he doesn't want to go blind in his other eye. But guys, this is a bad product. And we all need to pray in unison and, you know, in aggregate for Donald Trump to get off of diet sodas because this is really, really bad that he's doing this. And quite frankly, we need him in the White House for another seven years. I don't want the Witch of Benghazi in the White House or another gay Kenyan in the White House or all these whack bags up in Washington in the White House. I want these people out of our lives. And quite frankly, Trump, from a getting things done, his first year in office, now that he got this tax cut passed, I don't like all the parts about it, though, very or very or good, especially getting rid of the individual Obama mandate, the penalty for not paying health insurance. I've got a friend of mine who's very successful, and he self-insures, Doug and Joe, and his penalty last year for not having Obamacare was $14,000. 
He paid four thousand in, and the IRS sent him an additional bill for another ten thousand dollars. How's that, Ted? I thought there was a, a, a cap on the. Um, I thought it each year it went up a little bit till it got to the twenty four, twenty seven hundred dollar mark. I didn't. Nope. I didn't think they could. Nope. Yep, he didn't either. Fourteen thousand dollars. He showed me the dog on the statement from uh, from IRS. He had paid four thousand in. They sent him another bill for an additional ten thousand dollars. This guy makes a lot of money, and uh, so his you know so he basically got nailed now because remember that there is no cap on it. There is no cap. It continues to just go up and up and up. But uh, he showed me the bill, showed me the receipt, showed me the invoice. Ten thousand additional dollars due to IRS, and he already paid four thousand in last year. That's where this is going with this thing, and what well, they're trying to think about it. Is, now. Yeah, they well, got rid of that mandate. But, but, but praise God, that's why I'm saying Donald Trump did a lot with that by itself. Because quite frankly, that's totally unconstitutional. Let's say, for instance, if my friend, let's say they gave him, for, they charged him fourteen thousand dollars, and they gave him a decent health care policy for a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars a month or whatever, and they gave him something instead of just stealing the fourteen thousand dollars from him. That's bad enough, forcing him to do that, but giving him health insurance coverage. But they don't do that. They don't give you any health insurance company coverage, and they still take the money. And so it's absolutely nuts that they were doing stuff like this. And so I certainly hope that he gets a refund on the $4,000 he paid in because he never paid the 10000 He said he wasn't going to pay it. He wanted to see what's going to happen with Trump and this bill and making sure that this, hopefully this thing got, got, was gotten rid of. But that's how messed up Obama is because, remember, that's one of Saul Alinsky's the major tools that he used as far as taking over a country, you've got to control the healthcare system. That's so very important in the tenets that he's established. And you have to destroy the culture and destroy the schools and take over the schools. This communist takeover, which was brought over to us, and we know this, we talked about this in detail, from the communist revolution in the seventh, 1917, 1918, all the way through the Frankfurt School. We talked about this last a couple weeks ago on the show. This is what these guys are doing. They took over Hollywood. They do all of this stuff because they have this this atavistic hatred of Christians. I mean, it's just, I mean, this generational, deep-seated hatred of Christians in Hollywood. They hate us. And the sad part about it is that we continue to go to their movies and we continue to give them money. I'm not going to do it anymore. Those guys that have said horrible things about Christianity, like Jennifer Lawrence, the girl who basically did that one movie, Mother, and said, has said horrible things on record. I'm never going to pay for another one of her movies, ever, ever. It'll ne- I'll never pay for any of this stuff. People like Miley Cyrus and the filth they put out, I'm not going to ever watch one of her videos or allow my children to buy any of her material. I'm not going to do it, Doug and Joe. And if we all stand together in aggregate, the millions of people that are listening to this show tonight, if we all stand together in aggregate, we'll continue to make Hollywood have the worst year they've ever had, like this year. Because quite frankly... If you know that an actor that you're watching and you're paying that's making multi-20, 30, 40 million dollars to do a movie, if you know he has an atavistic hatred of Christianity, generationally deep hatred, you know he's basically a weirdo or a pervert like Weinstein, and you know these guys are making money on you giving money to these guys, we need to stop it. I mean, how in the world have we gotten ourselves into a situation where we support the very people that condemn us and try to destroy our culture? I mean, this is crazy. Our Christian work ethic, I was taught when I was in the MBA program at Florida State, it was the Christian Protestant work ethic that settled the United States. They don't want that anymore. This all-out war on white people is ridiculous. I mean, now they're having classes at some of the major universities for faculty on how to deal with their whiteness because they're saying that these white people are such racist and such horrible people that they have to learn how to relate to other people. No, we don't. We don't. Look what the world would be like right now in Europe, in Germany, in France, in Spain, in England, in Norway, in Sweden, if the whites had never done all of the inventions that they had done. 
and all of the things that they had done. Now, I'm not saying that white people are perfect. It's good, good grief. We did a lot of things that were bad, too. But we have really helped Western civilization. But they don't want to have any credit whatsoever on anything that any white person has ever done that's good. They want to make everything bad, including our monuments, including kneeling and during the, you know, during the, you know, the, the flag raising ceremony at the NFL. All that's to destroy the right brain image of the United States. It's all about taking over a country. That's why I am so grateful to God Almighty and to shows like yours and mine and Hagman and Hodges and everybody else that are working together, guys that we were able to help keep the witch of Benghazi out of the White House because this slippery Sololinsky slope that Barack Obama had put together along with all these other globalists, it was coming to fruition. And if Hillary Clinton had gotten into the White House, there would no longer be alternative news radio within a few years. It would be all gone, Doug and Joe. I believe that with all of my heart. In fact, if you remember, Snodgrass said he wasn't even going to come forward until Trump won because he was he knew that if he started talking about what happened back in the 90s with Oklahoma City when the Clintons were president and she was president, that they would take him out. And so I'm really happy that we have Donald Trump in the White House. Do I like everything he's done? Absolutely not. Do I like the appointment of Gottlieb for the Food and Drug Administration? Absolutely not. He's a huge vaccine pusher. Do I like the fact that he told Kennedy he was going to start a whole thing on vaccinations when he got into the White House and he's completely backtracked on that and refuses to do it? No, because now we know that big pharma, big medicine, you know, the media and all these different people that control so much of the deep state that these guys are still a direct influence in the White House and he's trying to work through these guys like they're a bunch of doggone great white sharks swimming in a pool with him trying not to get eaten and so I really hope we can keep this guy in for seven more years and we can keep him healthy Doug and Joe I would like to see what's going to happen to the United States but guys be really really careful with the investments right now because remember these Sabbatean Kabbalists that run the Federal Reserve System these, these people have, again, the anti-atavistic hatred of Christianity, deep-seated generational hatred. And they could easily contract the M1 money supply, just like they did with Bitcoin when it dropped like, you know, eight, seven, eight thousand 8,000 points the last couple of days. They could easily do the same thing with the stock market and with the M1 money supply, exactly like they did in 1929. If they contract the M1, the money in circulation like that, the stock market will collapse. All these different commodities are going to collapse, except for probably gold and silver will probably go up. Or they could hyperinflate and try to monetize the debt. So be very, very careful right now with what you're doing with your investments. And I personally don't like cryptocurrencies because you can't hold them or touch them or anything else, and you don't have a situation, you know, and, and you don't have any, uh, you don't have any stability in it. You can just drop 50% in one day. I still like gold and silver. I know Steve Quayle has a great website for that. And I really tell folks, I say, look, be really careful with what you do with your cash right now because, again, we're at another one of these bubbles, these, especially with the real estate market again. So be very careful in what you do from a long-term investment standpoint, Doug and Joe. What do you think? 100% right on the money. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you covered a lot of ground there. I, I, I truly believe that uh, gold and silver, to me, represent the ultimate the ultimate in terms of, uh, of holdings. I, I would say property as well, but then again, you know, you've got the the the, um, the, the you really don't own property based on on property taxes. Nope. You know, but but having said all of that, yeah, I, I'm very uncomfortable with cryptocurrencies. I don't really understand them, even after having, you know, pleading with people to um, draw it out, you know, using crayon. I still don't really understand the entirety. <laughs> Of it. Did you uh, see the fluctuations today from 17 yeah. to 11 back up to 15 and a half? Right. Yeah. So the volatility concerns me. But the, but even more than that, the fact that you can't 
put it in your pocket or see it. It isn't well, gold and silver. Well, 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 Bitcoin took a big drop today, and then gold and silver prices rallied. And, yeah. and, and probably what happened is somebody sold a bunch of Bitcoins and bought gold and silver with it. And that's probably why that happened, because they're trying to get into some real money now instead of dealing with this nonsense with this cryptocurrency stuff. I'm not going to get involved in it. Now, if I bought it at 87 cents, I guess I'd be dancing a jig right now. But, you know, at 20000 or 15000 or $10,000 or $11,000 for one coin, people are going out now and they're actually mortgaging their homes. And, you know, yeah. borrowing, yeah. you know, they're, they're doing crazy stuff like this. Again, it's like that tulip frenzy thing in Holland, you know, and quite frankly, it just, you know, guys, if it's, if it sounds too good to be true, it's usually too good to be true. I mean, that's why I've, I've seen it. I've been around a long time and I've seen a lot of these things come and go and a lot of Ponzi schemes come and go. Look at Bernie Madoff, $50 billion. I mean, crazy stuff like that. You see it. But let's get, let's, let's get back to the uh, I'm, so, I'm still, I'm still hanging on. I'm still uh, doubling down on my Betamax, uh, franchise. But, but then again. <laughs> No, but you know, but, but you know what's funny about this is there's a really good book. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon, and oh, it's a great book. It's a little paperback. It'll take you an hour to read. It's it's a phenomenal little book, and it goes into detail on what you can do to become successful. And 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 there's another really good one. It's called Acres of Diamonds. That's another really really good one. And then uh, you know because it teaches you investment advice and what to do as far as maintaining focus on what you have and what you're wanting to work with. And there's a couple more books as I'm giving out book things. William Kai Gar has an unfinished book out that's great. It's basically called Satan, the God of This World. That's a great book. It's, you can get it free out of PDF online. He also has the book, uh, you know, Red Fog Over America, great book. And then the other one, Pawns in the Game. Read all three of his books. They make a whole lot of sense. And then, uh, then Tupper has a really good one. It's called Rulers of Evil. Tupper, T-U-P-P-E-R. And that's another really good book you can get free online, which goes into a lot of detail on explaining this and what's going on. By the way, let's go back to some health stuff. Lemons. I've talked about lemons a lot. Lemons are amazing. You can take lemon juice, lemonade. It has to be fresh lemons, though. And you could take one ounce of lemonade, lemon juice, and mix it into nine ounces of distilled water. You can sweeten it with stevia. And you have the best tasting lemonade you've ever had that's actually healthy for you. And it unbelievably strengthens the liver. It strengthens the pancreas. It helps to bring blood sugar down. It helps people to utilize their blood sugar, their insulin more efficiently. It can also, be, it's also been shown to help lower blood pressure. It can help less get rid of, get rid of constipation. It can help get rid of bad breath. It can help reduce the risk of esophageal cancer. It can get rid of oral yeast infections, according to the research. It can help dissolve kidney zones. It can help reduce inflammation. It can protect your heart. It can help protect against cholera. It's a very, very strong, powerful antioxidant. It helps prevent LDL oxidation. It also can help lift your mood and reduce anxiety, and it also can help you maintain an ideal weight. I use, In fact, I've got lemon trees in my yard. I'm blessed to live here in Florida. I've got four of them. And we have a lot of lemons every year, and we constantly drink lemonade, especially through the summer when we're using a lot of fluids. Because, guys, it's one of those things. I can't stress to you the importance of how important lemonade is, but it has to be fresh, squeezed lemon. It cannot be made from concentrate. It cannot be reconstituted lemon juice. You have to squeeze the fruit yourself personally to get these kind of benefits out of it. And I've been using it for many, many years. And I actually spoke to a doctor. Actually, I didn't speak to him. I read his research back in the 80s. And he did a lot with the lemon, especially in working with people, helping to bring blood sugar levels down. And you remember, Doug, years ago when you had that high blood sugar, we put together the healthy blood sugar protocol for Doug Hagman. Now, I told you, one ounce of lemon juice to nine ounces of distilled water, two or three times a day, drink the lemonade. And it's a great beverage to drink because it's not just distilled water. And it allows your pancreas and liver to get much, much stronger. 
What do you guys think about the lemon? I use it. Of, I still use it. And, and I, you know, from you and, and other things I've read online, there are a lot of, of health benefits to using the lemons. And you can, like you said, put it, do things like squeeze it in your water and use it with tea and whatnot. And it, it has a lot of, um, a lot of great properties that, that I think people should take advantage of. And if I can just j- jump in here, I, one of my favorite, uh, if, if I want a flavored water, purple sticks are great. So just oh, saying. Oh, oh, we got those back in stock again, by the way. They're back in stock. We got the three pack special for those. People got so frustrated because we were out of stock for months. They, they're ordering, but they're ordering by the case lot now, which is fine. And, uh, you know, I, I, cause we have palletfuls of these things, but no, I take these. I had a purple stick about, 5.30, I took the whole one tonight. It's one of the reasons I'm so, I guess, geeked up. And uh, I just really like what they do because they don't elevate cortisol. Let me, give you an Let me give you an example. The other day, I was doing my show, and Sharon had somebody sent us a gift, and it was basically an organic granola bar covered in dark chocolate with ground coffee beans. So I thought, okay, that sounds interesting. Now, I don't really drink coffee anymore because it elevates cortisol. So I said, well, this can't have that many coffee beans in it. This happened like three night, three days ago. And so I ate like two of these little wafers. that, And they tasted great. And they, they kicked me up pretty hard for the show. I had a great show. Uh, and what was interesting about that, that night I went to bed, and it's like 11 o'clock. I'm feeling pretty energized, you know, because cortisol is a stress hormone, and coffee elevates cortisol. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm having all these issues with my – having these get these bathroom all the time. And I'm like, this is crazy. And, and finally, it's like midnight, and I'm like, what the heck's going on around here? And and I couldn't go to sleep, so I had to take a second melatonin. I take one melatonin an hour before I go to bed. I let it dissolve under my tongue. It's three milligram sublingual that we have at Health Masters. Great product. But it didn't even touch me, Doug. I wasn't even tired. So I took another melatonin, which if you get too much of that stuff in your in your, in your blood, and your brain, you start getting weird dreams. I don't like those weird dreams. And finally, at 4 o'clock, I had to get up and take another melatonin. I couldn't sleep because of the cortisol from the coffee beans. I thought, that's crazy. That's why I won't use any type of coffee extract in any product like that we produce. I won't do it. And so finally, I'm taking the third melatonin. So now at 7.30, the alarm clock goes off. I'm sorry, 7 o'clock, the alarm goes off. And we get up and pray with the kids every morning at 8. And so I told Sharon, I said, just let me stay in bed until about quarter to 8. I fell back asleep. She gets me up. I, I walk into the bed, into the kitchen in a stupor. I mean, I'm talking like a melatonin-induced stupor. I pray with the kids. I look to Sharon, and I said, I'm going back to bed, and I will never eat another one of those doggone wafers with the dark chocolate with the doggone coffee beans on it. I said, this thing has kept me up all night because of cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone that your body produces when it's under stress or when it gets hungry. That's one of the reasons that you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed because your cortisol levels go up because your body is hungry, so it starts releasing cortisol, so you get up and eat. That's what's important that you understand about coffee. Coffee elevates cortisol levels. I keep seeing all of these studies, Doug, saying, well, coffee is good for you. It reduces this risk of Alzheimer's and this and this and this. Coffee massively increases cortisol. It makes you age more quickly. It also has a compound called the methylxanthine in it, which has been shown to massively increase the risk of breast tumors and fibroid tumors and breast cancer in women. And I've had multiple people that I've worked with in the healthcare profession who have told me that if they're working with women who have breast cancer, they cannot recover from the breast cancer if they continue to drink coffee, eat sugar, or drink alcohol because of what it does. So, guys, it's so important that you don't buy into the lie. We've got the purple sticks in stock right now, and you can get those, I think they're like $29 a big box of them. 
and they're very convenient. They're individual serving pouches. You can throw them in your purse if you're a lady. You can throw them in the console of your truck if you're a guy or throw them in your wallet if you want. If you need a pick-me-up in the afternoon, you can take one of these things, and it won't cause a problem with cortisol like tonight. I'll take a melatonin around 10 o'clock. By 11 o'clock, I'll be sleeping like a baby all night again. But if I had drunk a cup of coffee tonight, Doug, at 5 o'clock, forget it. Forget it. It had been all night, back and forth, bad sleep patterns all over again because coffee really affects me. Because remember, when I was in graduate school at Florida State, I worked for a company in Tallahassee called Quality Coffee Service. And what was interesting about this company, they gave you a bun coffee maker, B-U-N-N coffee maker, which is the best you could buy at that time. And they give you all the free coffee you want to drink because they let you have it because they're trying to get you to market the product for them. I actually worked for this company when I was in graduate school at Florida State. And I got up to 18 cups of coffee a day. I got so addicted to it. I mean, I got addicted to coffee. And, guys, it's one of those things. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for you. Even three cups of coffee to four cups of coffee a day to five cups of coffee in a day in a man, according to the British medical journal Lancet, will increase your risks of high blood pressure going up and your increase of heart disease going up. So it's not what they say it is. The green tea, on the other hand, will protect your body with its antioxidant content and quality, and the green tea caffeine will give you a good kick in the butt and get you up for a workout or awake in the morning without causing elevated cortisol. And once your cortisol goes up, it takes a couple of days at the age of 62 to get it back down to normal. And that's why I've learned that Doug and Joe, if I drink coffee for a couple of days in a row, I get real irritable and I don't sleep well at night, and I get real edgy because of cortisol. And I'm very difficult to get along with. And Sharon always says, please don't drink coffee. <laughs> please don't drink coffee. Because I know what it does to me. She knows what it does to me. And it's something you really, really need to avoid as much as possible. So thanks for bringing up the Purple Sticks, Doug, because they are a phenomenal product. And, you know, try them. You know, just try them and see if you like them. Go through a box of them and try to get off the coffee. That's what I did. And, you know, of course, I haven't drunk, I haven't drunk coffee on a regular basis in, oh gosh, so many years. Now, every once in a while, I will have a cup of coffee. I'm not going to sit here and adjust my halo and tell you guys I never have a cup of coffee. Usually when I'm on vacation and they're giving me a free buffet breakfast and the coffee tastes really good and I'm like, okay, I'll have a cup or half a cup or I'll taste it and I just don't drink anymore because I don't mess up my sleep patterns. But guys, it's something, especially if you're a woman with a problem with breast cancer and coffee, you really need to get off of that stuff as best you can and just substitute the purple sticks because they're a much, much better product. Doug. What do you think? Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I, I can guarantee you confirm coffee, breast cancer, big uh, relationship there. And so, I know, so, I won't say so many, I know uh, about three or four different women that suffer from breast cancer that had to get off coffee, had to get off sugar, as you said. And as a preventative, I, I would just, yeah, and alcohol, especially alcohol, uh, oh, yeah. you know, but, but uh, well, the, yeah, the, I would urge everyone to do that. Increases the risk of pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, cirrhosis, yeah. liver, alcoholism, osteoporosis, and breast cancer. I had a very mm-hmm. dear friend of mine, her name was Carol. I won't give her last name out of respect to the family. Uh, and she lived in a, up in Altamont Springs. And I met her back in the 80s when I was in practice. And she had come down with breast cancer and had a double mastectomy. And this is a sad story, but it's a good, it's a good story and it's a sad story all at the same time. And I remember she got on our health protocol, you know, our healthy lifestyle protocol, healthy immune system protocol that we had back then. And she worked with her medical doctor, and she went through the chemotherapy and the radiation and all of that, and the surgery, double mastectomy, radical mastectomy, by the way. And she ended up, you know, recovering from the breast cancer. And she was like five years out of breast cancer, and they told her that she was completely and totally recovered, but she wouldn't stop drinking coffee. 
And I pleaded with Carol. I said, Carol, you've got to please stop drinking coffee because of the methylxanthine component. You've got to get off the coffee. And she goes, I love coffee. I can't stop it. i got to drink it every day of my life. I can't make it without coffee. I said, Carol, you can't make it with the coffee. So finally she came down with breast cancer again, Doug and Joe. And uh, this time they couldn't do anything for her. She had like, it was like stage three, stage four. They couldn't do anything. So they sent her down to Mexico. And she went to down there to the Oasis of Hope. And the first thing they told her is, why are you drinking coffee? You have to stop drinking coffee. You can't recover from this drinking coffee. And I had told that for years and years and years. But the positive thing about that is she stayed alive long enough to see all of her kids graduate from high school, all of her kids graduate from college, and all of her kids get married. And I tell you what, she, gosh, she was a classy lady. And uh, her husband and her just had a great marriage. And I remember she wrote me a letter before she died, and she profusely thanked me over and over and over again that she had gotten an extra 10 years you know, after the surgery and that she got to see all of these things happen with her children and how she had had her life fulfilled because she continued to follow the protocol. But, guys, here's the thing. Carol should be alive today. She shouldn't have died. She should be alive today. And the sad part about it is, is when you get involved with mainstream medicine and they start pumping you full of chemo and radiation and surgery and all the things that they do, and sometimes surgery is necessary, sometimes medical intervention is necessary, like, for instance, if you're out in an automobile accident and you break a leg and they have to medevac you or take you to the hospital and set your leg and put you in a cast or in a splint or whatever they do to you, you know, it was necessary. That had to be done. But, guys, if you've got elevated cholesterol and you don't think it's and you, and you, and you, so, you know, over 200, or I mean, I'm sorry, over 300, you think it's elevated, because uh, I don't think anything between two and 300 is worth taking any kind of drugs for, take a natural approach because you can lower the cholesterol down really, really easily. We have a healthy heart program online. And the thing about this is, Doug and Joe, it doesn't have any side effects if you feel better. Okay, The statin drugs have over 300 side effects. We talk about them in, in, at length on your show. So why in the world would you take a child who's been diagnosed with ADD and give him Ritalin, which is a Schedule II drug in the same category with morphine, opium, and Percodan, before you change that child's diet or lifestyle choices as far as how much sugar and red dyes and blue dyes they're eating. The same thing. If you've got elevated cholesterol, why don't you just try a dietary change first before you go on a statin drug, which has been linked now to memory loss and all kinds of other problems, over 300 side effects from statin drugs, including arterial calcification. I mean, if it causes the very same disease that it's trying to treat. It doesn't reduce your risks of heart disease. It just gives you a different cause of death. I mean, it's an awful, awful product. And I tell people, don't use statin drugs. In fact, in my book, Breakthrough Health, which we still have available at the office, uh, we have a whole article in there, a whole, a whole chapter on statin drugs. And I go over the top ten drugs that I would personally never use, and statin drugs are right at the top of the list because of what they do and how bad they are. By the way, here's another article on children and autism and pregnancies. We talked about this tonight. And it's, this article is actually, this is by Miranda. It says, vaccines can cause schizophrenia and autism in unborn children. Because brain tissue in children is more susceptible to mercury. Mercury adjuvants formaldehyde is often results in schizophrenia and autism. Dr. Russell Blaylock, MD, which I know Dr. Blaylock, he's a good, he's a good guy, is one of the most knowledgeable neurosurgeons in the world, and he is one of the most outspoken when it comes to explaining the dangers that vaccines pose to children, women, and everyone else. He's made it his mission, <clears throat> excuse me, to warn people about the damage that vaccines can cause on children's brains and how much damage affects them, how much these vaccines can affect neurological developments. He goes, he goes on to say, he says, some of the, some of the points Blaylock makes whenever he appears in public or during interviews with news media is that vaccines are indeed neurodisruptors 
and that the damage on the brain is more severe on children because their brains are not fully developed. Brain tissue in children is more susceptible to mercury, adjuvants, formaldehyde, and aluminum used in vaccines in the average adult. He also explains in multiple occasions that vaccines are the cause of numerous health side effects such as asthma, allergies, and autoimmune reactions, and even diabetes. Guys, when the top people in the world, like Dr. Blaylock, who's a neurosurgeon, tell you that this happens when you inject these kids, maybe we all need to think, and we all need to listen. What do you think, Joe and Doug? No, I mean, Ted, we've been talking all night about, uh, you know, the the different things that, and how these little, you know, uh, contaminants, how, how seriously they can impact your health from mercury to aluminum uh, to the vaccines to the things that they put in the vaccines and it's so important that we remain aware uh, remain aware of what we are putting in our bodies and what we are consuming and also that we take care of ourselves so that uh, you know our, our immune system is healthy and our and our bodies will be able to function long into the future would you ever take uh, if you were diagnosed with cancer any you'd never you'd never take chemo or radiation would you are you asking me personally what I would personally do? Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, I'm, no, I, I'm not. I'm not making. This, I'm not giving anybody that suggestion. But I would never do it. Yeah, I didn't no, think so. Okay. okay. To, to me, to me, to me, there are too many natural protocols that I know work, and I would just do one of those natural protocols. And then you know, you can do seven day cleanses. You can use the turmeric. You can use the potassium iodine. You use the vitamin C intravenously, which converts the hydrogen peroxide of the system. Uh, you can do. There's so many different alternative treatment protocols that you can use with cancer. That chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery are last results. Surgery, okay. Every once in a while, if you got a real bad tumor formation, you gotta, gotta get a lumpectomy or whatever. You gotta get this thing taken out and you excise it in its entirety. Okay, I got that one. But the radiation, why are you gonna burn your body like that? And the chemotherapy, why are you gonna poison your liver like that? I would never do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving anybody any advice on that. You do what you need to do. But personally, I would not do it, Doug. I know Katie Whalen, you know, Dave Hodges' ex-co-host, she worked with a medical doctor and nutrition guy out there in Colorado, and she was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of breast cancer. And uh, basically, they put her on the same type of protocol I'm telling you about right now, and right. she's completely breast cancer free. So, I mean, she's, I, think she's, I think she's written a book on it. We've got a paper on it. And people say, you, you can get her address online, and you can call up and talk to her, and she'll help you with it. She has a whole ministry that she's put together helping people with that. Because, God, here's the thing. You know, if the natural approach doesn't work, you can always do something more invasive. I mean, the the thing about breast cancer is this. For a woman to have a one-inch breast tube, one-inch lump in her breast, one inch, in most cases that's taken 10 years to develop and hasn't even metastasized most of the time at that point. And it's encapsulated in like a sheath. And that sheath basically controls and holds that cancer in. That's why it's taken 10 years. Now, if you go in there with a and you want to biopsy it, and this is why I don't like biopsies, and a lot of doctors disagree with me on this, and I'm okay with that. You go in there and you shove that needle into that sheath, and you get a sample of what's inside of that sheath. You rupture it. It's kind of like a spray paint can. If you take a can of spray paint that's full, and you put a nail in the side of that can, it's going to spray paint everywhere. It's going to make a big mess. The same thing happens with that cancer, that cancer tumor. When you inject that needle into it, it's under pressure in there, and it blows those cells out. And I've seen it happen over and over. They have isolated cancer in a tumor mass. They go in and they biopsy, and they come back in six weeks later, and they do an MRI, and stuff spread all over the body. I mean, I've seen it multiple, multiple, multiple times. And that's why a lot of oncologists now, they don't want to do biopsies anymore. They'll go in and do a lumpectomy. I know Katie had that done. She went in, she, heard, she talked to her doctor out there in Colorado, and he said, well, let's do a lumpectomy. We're going to, remove, we're going to excise the entire tumor mass and pull it out in one chunk 
and not damage that sheath around it so we keep it intact so it can't dump its contents. Years ago, my wife, she had a growth on her ovary and it was like a cyst. And the guy who did the MRI on it <clears throat> sent us over to a person who did a CAT, not a CAT scan, we did a, uh, he, he did a, he did a, he did an ultrasound on it, then we had the MRI done on it, and he sent her to a cancer doctor. And I told Sharon, I said, this is my own wife now, this is Sharon, she'll be on at 9.30 though, you can ask her about this. And what happened is we went to the, the surgeon, and he goes, I'm not going to biopsy this. And now remember, the guy who, the, on, the oncologist, the radiologist who read the x-ray or read the MRI, he goes, I'm pretty much 99% certain this is a water cyst and it's not cancerous. But you have to go to the oncologist. So we went to the oncologist, and the oncologist said, uh, you know, we're not going to biopsy this. We have to remove this thing. And this thing's the size of a grapefruit, Doug and Joe. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And it had intertwined itself around her left ovary. And so just as a word of precaution, let me tell you what happened. I, gosh, I tell you all this personal stuff about me all the time in the family. But what happened, we got to the doctor over there, and it was at the Lakeland Hospital, and he was the top oncologist in the area, and she wanted to do the surgery. She was a little scared because you know, she said, I'm not going to do the chemotherapy. I'm not going to do the radiation. But if you can remove this, I will. So then the guy goes, well, while I'm in there, I'm going to take both ovaries. And I looked at him. I said, absolutely not. Why are you going to castrate my wife? Because remember, the ovaries in a woman are the same thing as the testicles in the male. And you don't castrate women. You should never give a woman a hysterectomy unless they've got massive amounts of you know, problems you know, internally and they have a lot of cancer in their family as far as you know, ovarian cancer. And so he says to me, he goes, well, okay, I'll leave the ovary if I can, but I've got to probably have to take the one out because this cyst is intertwined around the ovary. I said, that's okay. So he says, I'm going to open her up from her pubic crest up to her breastbone. I said, you're going to slit her all the way across her body? I mean, you know, he's going to make a vertical scar, not a bikini cut, but a vertical scar all the way from her pubic crest to the bottom of her sternum. And I looked at him and I said, what, are you on crack? He goes, what do you mean am I on crack? And he goes, no, I'm not on crack. And I said, what, what are you? I said, my wife is a size two. I said, she was a professional model for years. She's incredibly intelligent, stunningly beautiful, and I don't want you to put a Frankenstein scar on her. Are you kidding me? I said, you're going to do a bikini cut. And he goes, well, that'll be a lot more work. It'll take me an extra hour to do the surgery. I said, well, tough luck on you on your surgery. I said, I want the bikini cut. He goes, all right, all right, I'll do it. And so he does the surgery, and, of course, it comes out, and it's a water cyst, just like the other guy had told us. But it really affected her moods. And, of course, he gave her a Frankenstein scar that we had to later have resected and fixed. I mean, God probably did it out of spite. In fact, I found out later he didn't even close up the opening that he had made. He let one of his nurses close it up, and they just completely just, just butchered Sharon as far as the scar he left. But I, I later had that repaired. But the crazy thing about this is, Doug and Joe, you've got to know what your rights are, and you've got to know what you can and can't do and what you can expect of these guys before you go into surgery. Because you you can't just go into a Let me tell you another story. My mom was admitted into the hospital because she broke her toe when she was like 86 years old. And she was admitted into the hospital, and the doctor told her that she had a lytic lesion in her foot which means she had cancer somewhere else in her body and it had migrated to her foot and it had caused this bone to crack. And he told her that. He told her before they did any testing on her, this 86-year-old woman who was scared to death of cancer, that she had cancer, that she had a lytic lesion before he checked anything. And so I catch the guy in the hallway and I looked at him and I said, did you tell my mom she has cancer? And he goes, well, yes, she has a lytic lesion. I said, you don't know that for crap. I said, you don't know that. I think that's an osteoporotic fracture because of the amount of soda she's drunk in her life and the amount of alcohol she's drunk. I said, there's no way on God's green earth you know without a CAT scan or an MRI 
that she's got a doggone lytic lesion on her foot. It could just as easily be an osteoporotic fracture. He goes, well, I disagree with you. I think it's a lytic lesion. I said, well, I disagree with you. I don't think it's a lytic lesion. And if it's not a lytic lesion and it's an osteoporotic fracture, and when I see you in this hospital again, I'm going to chew your butt out in front of everybody in the nursing stations for scaring my mom like this. And I actually did this stuff right in the middle of the hospital. And sure enough, they do all these tests on her. It's an osteoporotic fracture. She has no cancer anywhere in her body. It's not a lytic lesion. It's a osteoporotic fracture from her bones. And that's why she broke her toe. And of course, I never saw that doctor again. You talk about maintaining a low profile around me for the week that, I, that she was in that hospital. I never saw that boy again. Because you have to understand, these guys, when they give you a prognosis, it is an educated guess. That's the definition of a prognosis. And you may go to 10 different doctors and get 10 different prognoses. That's why it's so important that you talk to different doctors. And what you do is you don't tell the new doctor what the old doctor said. You never do that. You don't give him the records. You say, Doc, we've got this problem. Can you check my mom out or can you check my wife out? Or can you check me out and get his prognosis without it being tainted by somebody else's prognosis? Because if you do that, invariably these guys stick together and they start coming up with the same prognoses when you don't necessarily get that if they don't know what the other doctor said. What do you think, Doug and Joe, about all that? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I've had experience in, in that before, so I know exactly what you're saying. I think that's that's very sage advice. And while you were talking um, about your wife, there was just an article uh, about a very, um, I, I don't know if this is egotistical or vengeful, doctor in the UK that would uh, or that had uh, seared his initials in the livers of patients. Oh yeah, I read that. Uh, I read so, that. Yeah. Uh, well, but, you know, but yeah, and, and guys, I'm going to say something too because I'm not I, I'm not hammering my own profession like this. But I'm going to say something about a lot of medical guys that I know. A lot of these guys have three and four ex wives, and they're paying all this alimony and child support for these different kids from these different wives, and they are busted financially. They really don't have a lot of money coming in. They're broke. Now, that's not all of them. That's probably 20% of them. Well, if you happen to go to one of those 20% and they got to make a mortgage payment this week and they got to do X amount of surgeries to pay their bills, a lot of these guys intentionally diagnose people with cancer, intentionally diagnose them with coronary artery blockages so they can do surgeries to collect the surgery fees to pay their bills. And it's been shown over and over and over again that there are groups of these guys that do this, Doug and Joe. So that's why I say, before you allow anybody to do some type of major surgery on you or do anything to you, get multiple opinions. And I know with Sharon... When she ended up going through that, when she lost that ovary, because man, she was right in the, she just started menopause and she lost that ovary. Oh my gosh, it basically castrated one of her ovaries out. She had a massive drop of hormones and her entire personality changed. She went from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. I mean, she went awful for about a year. Finally, I told her, I said, well, I can't live like this. We gotta fix this. And so we started putting a full protocol together for her to stop this massive drop because she would just get so depressed, bless her heart. And I thought, this is horrible that she's got these mood swings happening to her. So in the Eat Clean, in the uh, Breakthrough Health book, we have an entire chapter in there, which is the protocol that we used and we developed for her, which completely turned around the mood swings from the depression caused from menopause and also the loss of that ovary. And I tell Sharon, I'll t- and I'll tell you guys, and I'll tell you again, we've been married 34 years. We've had 33 great years of marriage. That one year after she had that surgery, I felt so bad for her, but her entire personality completely and totally changed after a partial hysterectomy when she lost the one ovary. So, guys, unless it's, like I said, medically necessary that you have a hysterectomy and you have to have that, and you've got multiple people telling you that, it's better not to do that. Even, even if you have to have your uterus removed, 
because of endometriosis or whatever, it's better to leave the ovaries intact because the ovaries also release testosterone, they release estrogen, they also uh, you know help the adrenals to release adrenaline. I mean, it's very important that you keep these organs intact for as long as you possibly can because when you start taking body parts out, it really affects you in a negative way. And so you've got to understand that when you realize that you know, giving a woman a full hysterectomy, it used to be, by the way, that's, that's the name they call it now. It came from the term hysterical ectomy. That's what it originally was coined from. And when they, when they basically would go in and just gut this woman out, I mean, this is some crazy stuff that these guys do. But now a lot of doctors are no longer doing that kind of nonsense with women. And they're just basically trying to correct them through dietary change or supplement change or whatever, or even hormonal interventional therapy to try to correct some of these mood swings. But guys, Menopause is very, very real. And also, andropause is very real with men. That's why it's so important. That's why I use the cortisol buster on a regular basis. And that's why I take my HGH Demulate, my zinc, and my E every single day. Because it really helps to keep your hormones up and keep your testosterone levels up. And that's also why I train with weights four to six times a week. I try to hit it six times a week. And I do my best to stay as healthy as I possibly can to maintain my lean muscle mass and to keep my androgen levels up. Because when you do a real high workout, high-intensity workout, even at my age, it really pushes your testosterone up. And when you do that, you don't go through that andropause like the men have when they have all this depression, when they start having their androgen fall off. Because the hormones are very, very important with men. Now, you can go on testosterone therapy, but I consider that a last alternative. Because once you start that, you really cause a lot of atrophy of the testes. And when you do that, a lot of times you're stuck on that doggone testosterone the rest of your life. And it has all kinds of side effects, including prostate cancer and other things that have been associated with these types of therapy protocols. So I always tell people, if you have to do that, that's a last result. And I'm not saying that I will never go on testosterone therapy. I may be 75 or 80 years old, 20, 15 years from now I may do it. But it will be because I'll be in my last 10 or 15 years of life, and they're not going to really affect my life statistics at that point by putting me on something that's going to cause some other type of disease. But quite frankly... Testosterone therapy should never be used by anybody under the age of 70, as far as I'm concerned, if they're capable of working out and being in the gym and doing the right type of training and taking the right supplements. Because, guys, it's amazing what you can do with testosterone and with libido by doing that stack I just told you about. By the way, there are some foods that can release, that can release and reduce insulin resistance. This is really good because a lot of people, Doug, it's not that they're not producing insulin. Their body's not utilizing the insulin. And that's cause it's also called Syndrome X. They, they, that's what they used to call it. Now they're calling it insulin resistance, which is actually a better name. Number one is turmeric. University Indian Journal found that it was 100% effective in preventing adult onset diabetes. Or, I'm sorry, uh, adult onset diabetics. 100% effective in preventing that. And, I mean, that's one of the key things we tell people if they've got problems with blood sugar, go on turmeric. It's really, really good, and it's totally safe. And it's how, how much? How, how much oh, to take? Well, it depends on how high their blood sugar is. What I would tell people to do, if they had high blood sugar, I would say take two to three each meal four or five times a day. Take 10 or 15 capsules a day. And you, you combine that with the insulin support and the, and the cinnamon extract, and you make sure you cut all the coffee out, cut all the sugar products out, cut the alcohol out, cut out the high glycemic carbohydrates like pasta and bread and white potatoes, and you cut all that stuff out, what ends up happening is you have an incredible drop of blood sugar almost immediate. And I've never seen anybody who had adult onset diabetes who went on that stack of protocol, that healthy blood sugar protocol, Doug, that didn't have some type of results unless they simply didn't listen. Now, if they're still drinking sodas and real, you know, dumping their bodies full of high fructose corn syrup and not making any dietary changes, they're not going to do it. Now, some people 
are not going to want to do the protocol because they're going to go, well, I'd rather just take the insulin. Remember, insulin is a salt. It causes problems with the arteries. It's one of the primary things that causes atherosclerotic placking and hardening of the arteries and cardiovascular damage. That's why diabetics have a much higher risk of heart disease than non-diabetics. So you want to, you want the insulin as low as you possibly can in your system as, as often as you can. You don't want elevated insulin levels in your system just spinning around that your body's not using. That's why we're talking about how you can decrease insulin resistance. Turmeric's really good. Ginger works very well also. Cinnamon, the cinnamon extract is phenomenal. It's amazing. Olive leaf, olive leaf uh, extract works. Uh, basically you can do uh, black seed. I love black seed. I take, this morning I got up and I had, my skin was itching a little bit. So I took some turmeric and I took some black seed oil before I had my protein shake. And of course it got my stomach upset because I usually don't do that first thing in the morning. But the itch, the itching immediately went away within 20 to 30 minutes. But I try to take my black seed every single day. And this is the one product that I have found that massively reduces insulin resistance. And I had a problem with my inner ear canals itching real bad. And oh gosh, they were driving me nuts. And this is the only product I've ever seen that mitigated that. I mean, almost immediately. So those are all kinds of things that you can do as far as that. Now, also, you can also remember the lemon that we talked about earlier. But be very, very careful with that lemon, especially if you're if you're if you've got really elevated blood sugar because it may drop off really, really fast. But I would start off with one glass a day, build up to three to four to five glasses a day. Again, it has to be fresh squeezed lemon juice, one ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice, eight ounces of distilled water, nine ounces of distilled water. You can mix a little stevia in there, throw some ice in there. You've got one of the best tasting lemonades you're ever going to have, and it really helps get rid of insulin resistance. It does a great, great, great job, Doug and Joe. Well, as we've been talking about all night, you know, the, the benefits of um, making sure that we take care of ourselves, and, and that's something I know, you know, as the new year rolls around, many people make these new year's resolutions to go on a diet or exercise more and you don't really need a the new year to come around to start doing that we can you know do any of the stuff the the moment we put our mind to it but it is a good incentive or a good starting point if you want to use the new year to to begin to change the way you live. yeah and, and we look we also talk about stuff happening stuff you know right some event horizon things that that who knows what will happen in the next Weeks, months, or years in, in terms of, uh, the economy, in terms of civil unrest here. We have to be prepared. We talk about spiritual preparedness. We talk about practical preparedness. It's only natural to have programs like this to talk about physical, your own physical, uh, preparedness. And if people, you know, so this, to me, shows like this are so important because you're no good if you can't, you know, get off your butt and, uh, handle things. I'll just leave it at that. Well, look at look at the people down in Puerto Rico. How many people that we don't know about? They say the death tolls in the thousands down there. How many people that we know down there couldn't find refrigeration for their insulin and they're basically, they died? We don't know that. We never get it. Pretty much everything the government tells us is a lie anyhow. We've already learned that. I mean, the whole news media is a lie, except for alternative news. And so now we're finally beginning to realize that these people in Puerto Rico, I mean, a lot of these guys are still without electricity. And there's been months and they're still without electricity. And, guys, here's the thing. is, And Doug just said it so succinctly. I mean, if you're 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight and you feel bad, how bad does it have to get if we start getting healthy, start making healthier choices? I mean, it's really important. And when you order $200 worth of stuff from Health Masters, I'm going to send you the Breakthrough, the Eat Clean and Be Healthy book tonight for free, just that one book. And when you order $200 worth, 
And it's a great New Year's resolution. You can say, hey, look, I'm going to start eating out of this book starting immediately. We can get this thing out to you on Tuesday, the day after Christmas, and we can have this book and these products to you so you can have a great New Year's resolution. So you can say, hey, I finally had enough. I'm no longer going to live like this. I'm not going to be like this anymore. I'm going to change my diet because I realize that what I put into my diet is going to directly affect my health and all the other areas of my life. And guys, it'd be really, really important if everybody just, if, if everybody just, if everybody just ate out of that book, it's unbelievable. It's like a health manual. It talks about different types of GMO foods. It's got a bunch of other nutrition information in it. Not like the Breakthrough Health book, but it's a great book anyhow, but it has great recipes in it. And this is what we eat. I mean, this is literally what Sharon cooks every single night. And this is why Sharon looks so young. I mean, she's 60 years old. My gosh, she took a picture yesterday at the passport office. She looked like she was 35 years old in the picture. I thought, my gosh, I guess I'm so blessed to be married to a girl that looks so young and in such good shape and takes such good care of herself. And guys, it's one of those things. Your mental acuity is directly dependent upon what you put into your body, your blood sugar, how much mercury you have in your system, how much fluoride you have in your system, how much aluminum you have in your system, because it directly affects brain health and synaptic function. And guys, you might as well stay as young as you possibly can for as long as you can, because quite frankly, my mom was in that nursing home for six years, and I've watched her just deteriorate and go downhill until it was absolutely awful, though. She didn't know who we were anymore, who I, who I was or who, I, or who you might see my wife and my, anybody was, my whole family. And I felt so bad for her because when she went into the nursing home at the age of 86, she was still running her own business, working full-time, doing all of these things. But because her caregiver had power of attorney, they put her into this nursing home, which I never would have done. And they basically ended up in a situation where she went downhill almost immediately because of the psychotropic drugs they put her on and the antidepressant medication they put her on. I mean, they told me when they once you put her in there, they said, well, she's fussing and carrying on right now, but by the time we have her in her for a few months, we'll have her calm down with drugs. Boy, they sure did it. And I fussed and fussed and fussed at that doggone medical doctor in that facility because I didn't have power of attorney and one of the other family members did. There was nothing I could do about it. And it was so sad to me to watch this physical deterioration and, and, and knowing that the other family member knew that it was happening and did not care enough to put a stop to it, Doug and Joe. So, guys, don't be that person. Don't be that person who gets stuck in a nursing home when you're 60, 70, 80 years old. I've got another friend right now. She has her mom. She's in a nursing home. She's in her late 60s with Alzheimer's disease. Guys, that's not God's best for you. You know, the book of Jeremiah says it so clearly. I know who you are. I have a, I want to give you a hope and a future. I mean, this is what God wants to do for you. He doesn't want you coming down with these problems with your brain and with these health problems. This, it's, it's so much easier to avoid heart disease, avoid cancer, avoid diabetes, and eat clean to start with, guys, rather than trying to cure all this mess after you have it. It makes more sense to eat clean and be healthy every day of your life. What do you guys think, Doug and Joe? Well, absolutely, Ted. Couldn't agree with you more. And we are up against our top of the hour break i know austin's going to be joining us on the other side and then sharon at 9 30 so ted if we don't talk to you have a merry christmas and it was oh, a yeah, great yeah, show you guys have a blessed christmas i love you guys and by the way guys thank you for supporting hagman and hagman thank you for supporting health masters if it wasn't for you guys who are listening tonight all the stuff that we do would, would simply not be possible so thank you i love you guys and i appreciate you so much amen brother thank you very much merry christmas We'll be right back with Austin Brewer after this. And we are in our third and final hour on this Friday, December 22nd edition of the Hagman Report. 
Austin Brower is joining us. He's going to be our guest for the next half hour. He's the co-host of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, as well as HealthMasters.com. Austin, are you with us? Yes, sir. I sure am. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, we're doing great. Looking forward to this holiday break that is uh, just a few hours away. So we're uh, definitely looking forward to the holiday. We had a nice dinner with everybody at the office tonight and uh, a nice and relaxed day. How about you? It was good. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a busy week, getting a lot of stuff buttoned up for the uh, end of the week and the weekend. And so, uh, yeah, we've just been getting orders out to everybody and helping everybody out. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good time. But, yeah, like you said, a nice three-day three, three day weekend is going to be um, well needed this weekend. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's going on? What are you uh what are you looking at today in the in the news? Well, the the first thing that I've uh been looking at pretty closely and I'm sure I know you guys talked about it with Hodges too, but I've wanted to kind of bring it up to you first off and start off with it and see kind of what's your take cuz you guys are closer up there than uh I am down here in Florida is the uh Cook County Commissioner Richard Boykin uh, essentially meeting with the UN and requesting formally now to bring in US peacekeeping troops into Chicago to combat the uh, violence up there and uh, then I've been seeing reports that there's basically a small company of vehicles behind a warehouse and a few other things uh but I mean this is really the first time that we ever hearing the com- county commissioner or any facet of the government really request UN peacekeeping troops to come in on U.S. soil and uh, actually in active combat roles to uh, work in Chicago or any part of the United States, that is. What are you guys thinking about this? I mean, to me, it seems like this is going to be a, a, a ploy to try to bring these guys in very slowly and to inch their way in here. I know that the UN peacekeeping troops, there's only about 100,000 of them total, which is not a huge fighting force, but would obviously be plenty to handle and control Chicago. I know the UN's obsessed with basically taking away firearms and uh, not allowing any civilian possession of firearms. So, I mean, do you think this is uh, a startup of them trying to come in and start confiscating firearms, kind of a beta test run, or what have you guys heard of there? You, you know, uh, i got to tell you, Austin, Joe and I are divided on this, all right, I think, because I've heard his comments and his assessment of this. I take this a little bit more seriously than Joe does, only because I believe that uh, the, the, the government's plural state in particular and, and even uh, and, and the, the pretext for this is the black genocide when it's black on black crime basically when it's gang violence related in this case and it's, right. it's under the wrong pretext and this is a, a, a really mega political globalist move this is my view and, and, and I think this is a huge deal uh, because of the precedent it sets now, yes. that, I'll, now I'm going to turn it over to Joe. Well, I, for me personally, I don't see if they're going to do this as a pilot program or to test the waters. Chicago is the last place in the world that they, they will do this. Um, not only will it not be allowed at the, the federal and national levels, but I, I'd find it surprising that they'd allow it at the state levels. But you'd want to, you want to bring this, this city uh, of violence in Chicago together. Nothing will bring them together more than hunting a bunch of blue helmets that are, are deployed on their streets to, to try to stop the violence. Those Gee, blue helmets were the be, first ones would be that murdered. be convenient then? Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, and that, that, that is, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, yeah, kind of, I, I see both sides of it. And that's why I've been trying to look this up because 
yeah, there's a possibility that it may go nowhere. It's a possibility that it may be obfuscation, that they're not even going to try to deploy them. But from a lot of what I've been reading and seeing with these photos, obviously you, you guys have seen the same thing I have for recently and the last couple of years of these UN vehicles all up and down the eastern part of the United States being transported, being parked, being railroaded, being brought in on semi-trucks. So there's obviously a significant amount of UN vehicles here, whether or not they're actually prepping those for deployment on U.S. soil, that's another question, but they're definitely on this soil riding around in transports. So, I mean, to me, it seems like if it, it could go both ways. If they do this, if they bring these guys in, as you were just saying, Joe, you know, this could be something that obviously would start even more of a firefight and more of a casualty rating in Chicago, which at that point would be an even bigger excuse to bring in the National Guard and create a national emergency to escalate the situation even further. But on the other hand, too, if they did come in, I mean, if they, they brought in close to 100,000 blue helmets. I mean, Chicago is large. Chicago is very large. The population of Chicago is quite a bit. But if you start issuing curfews, if you start having roving patrols of blue helmets driving around and armored personnel carriers. Remember, if these guys come here, they're not going to be riding around in open-top Jeeps with their helmets worn around. They're going to be riding around in MRAP-style armored personnel carriers, more than likely equipped with light machine gun turrets on top, if it escalates to that point. So it's not going to be one of these, you know, they're just going to show up and start getting shot left and right. These guys in Chicago are hardened. They're, most of them are drug dealers. A lot of them are involved in gangs. They're well-armed. Obviously, we see that as many people are getting shot. But also, too, got to understand, a lot of the casualties that are in Chicago are from drive-by shootings and random pull-up and drive shootings, whereas somebody standing on the sidewalk, an SUV pulls up, rolls down the window, sprays them with an Uzi, and they drive off. That's not going to be the kind of tactics that will have any ability to fight the U.N. peacekeeping troops when they're riding around in armored personnel carriers with light machine guns. This would be something much more. And so that's what scares me is if this is a precedent or if this is a beta test to try to see what will happen and to possibly even intentionally escalate it even further. That's my biggest concern about it, is me personally. Well, Austin, let me just say this. I mean, I, I do not doubt that at some point they're they're going to want to try to to roll in the UN or even uh, other countries militaries or mercenaries in UN uniforms onto the american streets but i just find it hard to believe that you know gangland chicago is going to be the place where they really try to to test this out i mean you talk about all the the who knows what could happen if they do something like that and i tend to believe that these people would would you know hunt the UN uh, as as kind of like a, a sport if they did go to Chicago, uh, some of the people at least. But I just can't oh, see yeah. them. It was so yeah, unpredictable. Oh, I can very, very easily see that. And, you know, and like I said, too, this may not be something that they're truly contemplating doing, but they may be doing this as a beta test just from a psych-op aspect to see what the United States uh, mindset and what the pushback is going to be if we're actually going to say, yeah, 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 we, we need the UN troops in here, we need these guys in here, or if the majority of them are going to say, no, this is taking it too far. My personal, I mean, why isn't ATF handling this? Why don't we have multiple groups of ATF task force that are working in Chicago right now? I'm, I'm talking by the thousands, not by the dozen or 15 that they sent in last year under Obama. Why are we not having an agency that handles weapons? That's what they were designated to do through Congress. Why 
why are they not up there with a significant task force and SWAT team handling this situation? Why are we coming out and blatantly asking for the UN to come in? And like you said, whether or not they do it or they don't do it is kind of we'll see where it goes. But the fact that they're actually bringing this up and the Cook County Commissioner Richard Boykin is blatantly requesting it is what kind of makes me nervous is it's almost like they want to see how accepted we're going to be of having UN peacekeeping troops on United States soil essentially doing, you know, I mean, patrols around the entire city. So I don't know if they're going to do it or not. But to me, that's what's troubling me is the fact that they're even making this a consideration and asking for it. Yeah, and as you said, you know, why, you know, there's the ATF, you have the DHS, you have the National Guard. Yeah. There's a lot of (laughs) other ways that you can go. Uh, before, you know, saying, let's bring the UN here. But, uh, the vehicles is, is another thing, Austin, that you mentioned. And yes, for years, whether on, uh, train cargo, uh, carriers to, um, you know, 18 wheelers carrying vehicles across the country, there have been a number of sightings of UN vehicles. And we've seen excuses like, you know, they're being manufactured here and, and shipped to other nations. And who knows what's going on with that? It is unsettling to see, you know, so many of those vehicles in different parts of the countries, and especially if they're being stored in certain areas that, uh, yeah, in the U.S. But I don't know. I don't either. It's something we just have to keep an eye on and really monitor. And like you said, Chicago would be a war zone to to be as the first beta test. It definitely would not go well, in my opinion, at all. Uh, but regardless, maybe that's the intent, though. That's the two sides of it. Is maybe that's the point. Maybe they want to bring these guys in here to say, hey, we've done the best we can. We brought the UN peacekeepers here, and Chicago, it, all they're doing is shooting more people now. So now we basically have to issue a state of martial law in Chicago and completely lock it down and bring in the you know even private contractors at that point, too. That could be the next step is, well, well we don't want to invade posse comitatus. We don't want to go full-blown martial law. So we're going to bring in, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 private contractors that are battle-hardened from Afghanistan. And obviously those individuals are not going to handle the situation correctly at all. They're not designed to handle riots or peacekeeping. They usually do one thing over there when they're paid to do so. But again, this is really, to me, it's a precedent issue is – where is this going to go and the fact that we're even bringing this up now and we have governmental officials requesting this I think is the most troubling aspect so but that's why I wanted to kind of bring that up today and get both of y'all's uh, standpoints on it well yeah and um, it, this is something we're going to have to keep our eye on because there was a number of things that happened from that radio station that had their their feet cut for talking about the UN in Chicago mm-hmm. to you know yep. these um this is what you're talking about with the Cooks County Commissioner. You know, and I want to say this. I was on InfoWars when that, um, as a guest, Roger Stone and and Alex Jones, and when they were talking about this, uh, I was on right after that feed was cut. The feed was going into the radio station. It just wasn't going out of the radio station. Think about that. So it was... It was cut on a local level. So the decision had... uh, Now, this is my understanding based on hearing the back-channel discussions back and forth uh, that did not go over the air. So there was this uh, very confusing time, and, and no one could figure out r- really who, who flipped that switch or, or or why, although the supposition, I mean, it was pretty obvious. So... Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, and with this kind of stuff going on, you know, we see all this constant, you know, request for 
gun control and everything else. I mean, heck, we even got, I mean, I've talked about it on the last show now. I mean, California, starting January 1st, these guys aren't even going to be able allowed to buy ammunition unless it's from an FFL dealer in the state. I was reading today as well. They're actually going to make it illegal to buy ammunition out of the state and bring it back into California now. So if you're a California resident and you drive to Nevada to go buy 500 rounds of 223 ammo and you drive back into the state and you're pulled over and they find out you have a receipt on you and the ammunition was purchased out of state, they're going to basically be able to arrest you for it. Not only that, by July 1st of 2018, every single thing that's classified as an assault weapon is going to have to be fully registered with the state. And that means if it has a muzzle flash, a vertical grip, a, a, a pistol grip, a collapsing stock detachable magazine, bullet button, anything essentially is going to be constituted as an assault weapon. And on top of this, what I did not know either is that once the assault weapons are registered next summer, they will not be able to be transferable whatsoever. You cannot transfer them to your family. You cannot hand them down after you die. You cannot transfer them to anyone in the state, period. The only thing you will be able to do is basically meet up with a California peace officer and hand the weapon over to them if you want to do so. No assault weapons, no 50 cals, nothing can have any type of grandfathered in. So we're about to see a massive, massive gun confiscation standpoint in California in the next 30 to 40 years down the line, as we know they've been trying to do, because once you have a lot of these individuals that own these guns now that are our age and in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they have these weapons registered and they die, the families are essentially going to have to turn the guns in or be caught with felony possession of an unregistered assault weapon out of their name. And uh, this is pretty much some of the most aggressive gun laws that I've ever seen in any state so far to the point now where you can't even hand this down to your family, which in most cases, a lot of these guns that they've tried to regulate in states like Connecticut and stuff like that, you can usually hand it down to your family even if it was registered. But what this is doing now is it's essentially banning that. And now on top of that, they're talking about also, too, by uh, July of 2019, you're going to have to have a permit just to purchase ammunition, which means right now you're going to have to buy it from an FFL dealer in California. You can't buy it out of state. You're going to have a limit on how much you can buy. By 19, 2019, you're going to have to have a permit, which means the state is going to be able to dictate who and who cannot have ammunition in that state anymore. So if you do something that hacks them off, if you have an unpaid parking ticket, if you have something that they deem to be unacceptable, all they have to do is revoke your ammunition permit and your weapons are basically as good as paperweights. So when you see all this stuff starting to come along like this, it's quite troubling to see that when that stuff's going on in Chicago now and everything else, this all is kind of starting to come together that, you know, they're really trying to clamp in on the United States. I was really glad to see that, you know, nobody overreacted with Trump's administration after the Vegas shooting, which, by the way, I still can't get anything on that anymore. That whole situation is completely locked up tighter than a tick on a hound dog, which is kind of weird to me, but um, it is what it is. We know that there was a lot of stuff going on out there, but I'm really glad that Trump did not knee-jerk and start pushing unrealistic, unconstitutional gun laws on the American population after that false flag. So I was glad to see that he was stayed strong on that. Yeah, and, you know, people in California – should just move or oh yeah uh, i mean it's it's crazy that they, they put up with us they continue 
and I know that it's a majority of a, of a liberal state, but there's a lot of Republicans throughout California. But, I mean, between the high taxes and the, the mindset of their politicians, I mean, get out of there. They're turning into their own Venezuela, in a way. And <laughs> it's just going to get worse. And, and, and look at, you know, when it doesn't succeed on a federal level, look at the initiatives they're taking on a state level. And that's that bothers me a lot because, uh, although I believe obviously in states' rights, anything that's antithetical to the Constitution of the United States should not be permissible on a state level. Yep. So you know it. But anyway, right. And th- and this is one of the. I have a buddy who's an Army veteran, and this is one thing he brought up to me the other day about the um, concealed reciprocity act concealed carry act it was going to make it you know basically a, a federal concealed carry permit essentially and i know they were trying to push the uh, nics bill in there feinstein was but one aspect of what he kind of brought up to me that made me kind of think about this because i was a big fan of the uh, reciprocity act because i mean make it a lot easier when you're driving you know state to state um, not only is it going to be very difficult to allow that to go through especially when you have california pulling stunts like this but he made it a valid point, as he said. The problem is once you allow concealed carry, the gun rights of the state, to be handed over to the federal government, the federal government is now going to issue a concealed carry permit that will basically be nationwide. They may not do it now. They may not do it next year. But that's where it will eventually lead to if they pass this bill. Essentially, they can start coming in and regulating what the laws are on the concealed carry acts, and they can say, well, this state doesn't like it, and this state doesn't like it, so we're going to have to have a 10-round magazine ban on any weapon that's carried concealed on your person on a federal United States level. Now, regardless of what state laws are, this is what the federal level is now in a concealed carry law. And then it can go further from that and say, well, you can't carry this caliber, or you can't have this type of magazine, or you can't carry your gun here, 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 here now. So that is kind of one aspect that I really hadn't thought about before until I talked to him. And the more I kind of started to think about it, he's absolutely right. If we start handing over our state right concealed carry permits over to the Fed, what's to say in four years, once Trump is out of office and whoever gets in there, if he doesn't get a second term, what's to say they don't come in and say, well, this federal concealed carry law, this is just way too lenient. We have to restrict this. We have to make it very, very strict on what you can do with gun laws and what you can carry. And not only that, think about this. If you break a concealed carry law, say in the state of Florida, I carry it, and you know it's illegal into a building that says they don't like it or something like that. I deal with the state. The state comes in. If I go to jail, something happens. I'm basically representing myself or my attorney is to the state because I broke Florida state concealed carry laws. Once you do that on a concealed carry federal level that they handle this now, now you're going to be charged on a federal level for breaking federal concealed carry handgun laws, which is going to open up a whole nother basket of snakes as well. So I was kind of wanting to get your take as well. My whole point in saying all that is what you guys thought about this concealed carry reciprocity act that they're trying to push through. Yeah, it's, it sounds good, but you're creating, instead of having... Um, well, over three thousand counties. It, de- depending on your state, you m- you may be uh, getting your concealed carry permit at the county level. So you figure there's three thousand plus counties, thirty three hundred counties and parishes in the United States. So instead of having that many choke points, or even fifty at a state level choke points, right. you're now making a single choke point 
for all of the gun owners and those uh, carrying concealed weapons. Very good point, and I think that a lot of people aren't thinking in in those terms, and we need to be thinking in those terms because, uh, although now, now the only the only problem I have with not supporting that constitutionally, we're, we are allowed by the Constitution, the Second Amendment, to own and possess uh, firearms. So it's a federal uh, right for us. To, I mean, it's a constitutional right for us to be carrying the firearms or to be owning the firearms, possessing the firearms. Why? And, and, and again, this is my... I mean, it's it's pretty convoluted. So why would right. why should the states get involved? Why should the counties get involved if if it's a federal uh, right or if it's a constitutional right? So I, I mean, I, you know, I I understand this, but it's 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 being made more convoluted, much more difficult than it needs to be. Right, and it's it's kind of like a catch twenty two, like you said. Like it really, if it's a constitutional right. It's our constitutional right. It should have nothing to do with the states. However, it is the states right now. And so once we hand that over to the Fed, they may not say, well, we're going to ban it. We're going to completely outlaw concealed carry. But then they can come in like a lot of these states have done now and say, well, we need to comply with these states that are pitching a little hissy fit like California because of the Reciprocity Act. So we're basically going to have to downregulate everybody's extent of what they can carry and how much they can carry to match the lowest state and what they basically are permitting. And that's pretty much where it um, where it kind of frightens me a little bit because, like you said, you're kind of making it to one choke point to the point where it may not happen in two, three, four years. It may not happen in eight years. But eventually, at a point in time, it's going to be much easier to pass heavier restrictions on our right to carry, which is a huge, huge constitutional right because if you can have a firearm in your house – well, whoop do you do That's cool. The problem is there's nothing in the Constitution that says anything about where you can and can't carry your firearm, and they're very clear about that. If you go back to the 1700s, 1776, if you told them, well, you can carry a rifle or a pistol in your house, but you're not allowed to carry one on your person, heck, half the time they weren't even at their house. They were always riding around doing stuff. So it was always on their person or in their wagon or wherever they were going. So that whole concept of even concealed carry permits in general to me kind of brings in a constitutional question as well. But it's where we're at now, and we obviously have to deal with it. So any more regulation on it on in that end, I'm, I'm not for it at all. And that's what kind of scares me about this whole uh, federal aspect getting involved in it. Well, we'll we'll see what happens, but I think many people agree that having a a permit to be able to carry in one state should apply to all other states. But yes. as I mean, it's something that in a perfect a world, that, in, in a perfect yeah. world, and it's a political fight. You always have you know the the overreaching government trying to come in and and regulate and and reduce the rights of of gun owners, and then you have uh, times like this where we have uh, people who believe in guns in the the positions of power and are not going to take those away where you can get some of these regulations rolled back but it's a constant it's a constant fight yeah it's it's always funny to me how it's 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 so hypocritical with some stuff because you have the states that come in and they say, well, we want to legalize cannabis. For recreational use, we don't think cannabis should be a Schedule One controlled substance, putting people in prison for five to ten years for simply possessing a plant. And they say, we're going to, we're going to deregulate it. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be, you can go buy it at the store if you want. 
Well, then the federal government comes in and says, you can't do that. It's still federally illegal under a Scheduled One substance. So we're going to go in and shut down the stores and tear up all of the groves and everything you have going on. But then it turns around when California wants to do something beyond unconstitutional and say, you have to register your assault weapon and you cannot hand it down to your family, which means essentially you are banning that weapon after that person dies. That weapon is banned. You cannot bear it. You cannot keep it. You cannot possess it. You are essentially breaking the Second Amendment. The federal government goes, oh, well, it's state rights. They can do whatever they want with gun laws. So it's funny to me how they kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth with incidences like this. And so I'm, I'm with you. I mean, in a perfect world, it, there should be no lines as far as what our Second Amendment applies to. Every state should have equal and open Second Amendment constitutional rights with a firearm, and they should be on that aspect. But we've allowed a lot of these guys to completely come in in these liberal states like California and get away with way too much. You, you know, we're, we're going to have Larry Pratt back on and Eric Pratt, his son, uh, to get their take on this at some point in the future. I just want to let, let the audience know that. But, but okay. man, good points all. Good points all. Go ahead, Joe. I, I don't know if you were going to say something. No, no. I... Okay, <laughs> but you know, but but man, you know the the convers- But the bottom line here is this: as far as I'm concerned, if it's a constitutional right, then then the states or there's n- there's there is no legislative body, state, county, or whatever that has the right to overturn anything that's in the Constitution. Number right. one, that's like I'm regulating Correct. free speech now, yeah. saying you know this yeah. is that and same thing. Oh, yeah, and it's, hey, I'm it's sorry. I, and the ATF. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I, I watched a uh, video today of basically the debate that this uh, guy was having with um, about genders. Just totally off topic, but it was funny because he says, "If you, she goes, I want you to call me by my pronoun that I want to be called by." And he goes, "But if that pronoun isn't real, if you're just making it up to basically make yourself feel better, I'm not required to call you that." And she says, "Well, I, no, got, I got a few pronouns." Yeah, well, she goes, if you don't call me by the pronoun that I ask, you're basically offending me and you're uh, committing an act of violence. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he goes, I'm committing an act of violence if I don't call you by the pronoun that you request. He goes, so you're saying that it's illegal for me to say something to you. He goes, now we're getting to not only gender and sex and all these other weird pronouns, now we're getting into a First Amendment aspect where if I say something to you or I call you by a name that you don't like, it's an act of violence and it's illegal towards you. And she goes, well, it's not illegal. It's just an act of violence. <laughs> Austin, <laughs> Austin, we're out of time. Thank you so Man. much. That was a, a great segment. And you have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed Merry Christmas. But I'll talk to you after that. Have a blessed New Year. And we'll be back on here as always. All right, bro. We'll be right yeah, back. Stay great. tuned. Welcome back to our final segment on this Friday, December 22nd, 2017, our last episode before Christmas. And just a quick recap for those of you uh, who might not have heard, next week the schedule is as follows. Christmas Day, Monday, and Tuesday, we will not be doing Hagman Report shows, although on Monday and Tuesday, uh, Monday, check for the Hagman, uh, the Doug Hagman radio show. He'll be doing his show all throughout next week, and I'll be doing that on Tuesday on the Hagman Daily Show through Friday. So we have uh, Monday and Tuesday again off on Hagman Report. Now, with that, we're going to bring on Sharon Brewer. She's the author of Eat Clean and Be Healthy, which is available. Go to healthmasters.com for that, and we're going to jump right in here. Sharon, welcome back to the show. 
Hey, Doug and Joe. It's always wonderful to be here. And I, I told Ted and Austin, I always feel like the cleanup batter here with the three of us going. So I'm at the end, and I hopefully I'll hit a home run. But, you know, well, I yeah, want to thank all, all Save the best listeners. for last. Oh, well, thank you. I hope so. Um, I just want to thank your listeners because we get so many letters and calls and just response on the shows. And it makes me feel good because... You know, predominantly in a guy's world as far as radio, I mean, you know, y'all pretty much dominate it, which I don't have a problem with that. I don't care if it's politically correct or anything, but I just like to be able to help women and men and wives and families and kids on this show. And I like to give practical information because so many of the radio shows and alternative radio shows are really good as far as giving alternative news, which is so important. But we've got to also balance that out by giving information that people can use on a daily basis to help benefit their marriage, their lives, their health, their spiritual life, and everything, because we are three-dimensional. And I just appreciate y'all having a venue for us to help do that, along with our show daily. But um, tonight I want to talk about uh, healthy holiday defense systems and it's you know guys I just kind of wish sometimes everything would slow down and I really would like to have Mayberry back <laughs> that's why we go up to North Carolina so much because we're uh, there's a town up there we're near and we just like the lifestyle the way everybody's pretty much laid back the traffic's less you don't have that hustle bustle you're out you know with the wildlife and it's a lot of peace and serenity and we can still do what we do here but it just you're not all caught up in that just go 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 and i know you guys have to experience that because you guys do a lot of radio man i want to commend y'all and by the way i listened to you joe right before ted and austin come on on um on the daily show about the last i listened about the last mm, 15 to 20 minutes of y'all show and you guys are doing an awesome job i want to commend you on that well, thank you so much. You know, we, uh, basically all we do is show up and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> pray that the, the Lord does the rest for us and, and that works out more often than not. Yeah, because, you know, you and your dad do great at night, but I mean, you brought in someone that you really haven't done a lot of shows with. Y'all just, you're very, you, you just, you mesh together. You're, ve- you're, you're very, syn- you're, you, you synchronize. You're kind of like Ted and Austin and you and your dad. I mean, when you got a good team of two people like that, the show just really flows. So I want to tell you, we really appreciate it, and I enjoy listening to it. But uh, let's talk about healthy holiday defense systems. What I mean by that is we all are getting caught up into just where everybody is physically exhausted because of the paces we're keeping. And a lot of it is because, well, for instance... 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when we started Health Masters, we weren't forced to have a certain, be in a certain mold as far as, you know, our venue or whatever we were doing as far as our business. We were in the health business. We were still manufacturing nutraceuticals, but Ted was going out doing huge seminars with 30, 40,000 people. He was on the success seminar, um, I guess, rat race with all the other speakers with the presidents and Colin Powell and all those people and we're going from city to city in our tour bus you know and doing TV and radio and it was an awesome ride 
but we weren't forced with all this social media that if you don't do it, you really can't keep up with, with the industry that you're in. And it's put us all on a really fast pace. I mean, you know, we just go to Amazon, order something, and two days it's here. Well, that, you know, that's good. I don't really care for Amazon. I don't really trust them, but I do, I do enjoy the convenience, I will have to say. But think about the pace that we've become as far as a country, as far as a world, in what we expect, the instant this and instant that. And one of the main things that you can't do that with is your health. And I know you both understand that. You, you literally can't burn the candle at both ends and expect your body to be at peak performance, peak top mental acuity, peak health, peak immune system. We just can't do it. Our bodies are not made to do that. And then you add the holidays, which, you know, the holidays used to be something which most people look forward to and look forward to family time and just, you know, pulling back for a while and really celebrating the true meaning, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But Doug and Joe, look what it's turned into. And look how the 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 world and all the other religions and and just just everything is is just pulling against the Christians so hard and so strong that we have to fight, you know, to say Merry Christmas. We have to, you know, and have to deal with the Happy Holidays and deal with well, you can't do this and you can't say this and you can't talk about Jesus and you can't have a nativity scene and you can't I mean it, it just it it's just nauseating to me and it adds a lot of stress especially to Christians and I'm sure you guys would agree it's just we this is where we are in the world now this is this is what it is it's a race and and it's a fight and it's not a flesh and blood but a principalities and rulers in the darkness I mean we've got a spiritual battle going and we've got to get our patriot movement bigger and bigger and bigger. And the only way we can do this are through the incredible listening audience that you have, that we have. I mean, our listeners are amazing. They rock. I mean, we the, the hundreds and hundreds of emails, and y'all get them too. It's just these people are so incredible, and we love them. I mean, we don't know them all, but and I know y'all feel the same way, but... We just appreciate the way the word of mouth is spreading. How they'll get the podcast or they'll say, listen to this show or listen to that. And, and, and we're all a team and we're all working together in a common goal and a common, you know, direction. And the Patriot movement is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And wouldn't y'all agree though that it's just, it's just really taking off and it's, it's, it's the, the longevity, the tenacity, the, it's the consistency, the discipline that a lot of these hosts are sticking to and and that especially us and y'all and uh, I guess Dave Hodges and several others, we really back each other up and support each other and it just we're gonna have to do that more and more and more. We can't be competing, we can't be we can't be jealous, we can't be envious. We've got to, to, to there, there's so much power in numbers. You know, where the word says, where there are two or more gathered. And just like what we're doing, we've got to increase the numbers. And I know I'm getting off the subject of what I was going to talk about, but it's just, I just, I'm just overwhelmed by 
the response of the listeners. And I, I aren't, aren't y'all? I mean, do you feel the same way? Are oh, you yeah. trying to understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, I guess it's a very humbling thing. Well, you know, we couldn't be doing what we were doing without the support of the listeners and the the uh, tremendous generosity of the audience that we have. And you know, even things like the, the emails where people are praying for us or just letting us know that they're listening or, you know, sharing uh, the shows and information with other people. It does help so much. And, you know, again, we wouldn't be able to do this without that kind of support. Well, it really helped me because I, I, for two years, we've been working on this book, Eat Clean and Be Healthy. And it is not just a cookbook. Please don't think, well, it's a cookbook. I won't buy it. It's a health manual. We've all contributed to it here at Health Masters. And I guess I was getting weary toward the end because it was a lot of work and I was just kind of burning out on it. But you know, the, the main thing that kept me going were the people saying, we're so excited. We can't wait. We want to learn more. We want to learn how to eat. We want to have a better lifestyle as far as being healthy. And we know you're going to help us. And just like you said, the encouragement from the listeners. And I want to thank them all because it got me through and I'm so glad it's over with and it's in the hands of so many people. We gave out hundreds of them for Christmas. But um, when we talk about a healthy defense system, the holidays, and it's, it's, it's statistically known that the holidays and Halloween, the Christmas holidays and Halloween, are the two most heavily visited, I guess, uh, doctor's offices um, appointments over the whole year because people... They say, well, it's flu season. Well, it's because people's immune systems are being compromised, mainly because of all the sugar intake and the stress. You put those two together and you've got a recipe for a, a flu or cold or a, just a, a compromised immune system. And then the flu shots, which don't help at all, and the immunizations on top of that. So you put all those together with the extra, 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 lifestyle um, and the the extra things you have to do over the holidays, it puts a lot of stress on us. But one thing I suggest is, and, and it may be too late now because we're, we've got a few days before Christmas, but let's start, let's start next year and start planning for the holidays in a way that we look forward to it and we're not so overwhelmed. You know, I'm for one, I, I love traditions and I've started a lot of traditions with my children but be careful you young parents when you do that and realize your kids will never let you stop <laughs> I don't care if they're at home or they're married or what but I am a designer by, by trade I went to school in the design school and at FSU and so of course I decorate and design it's my passion but I've, I've just always gone over the top for Christmas we, we decorate really early because we don't have a time to enjoy them by the time we get done finished decorating so my kids are used to that and we usually have some type of a Christmas party this year on top of everything else we had a co-ed baby shower for Austin and Lana last Friday night because uh, in the holidays so we decided to make it a Christmas party too and it was a lot of work but the way that you can handle that and, and alleviate the stress from all that is start baking or doing things way ahead of time. I mean, I had a freezer full of cookies I baked. Uh, all the recipes were in the cookbook. I made these cheese logs. I froze them. 
I just got done before I got on the show today making the dressing for, for Christmas dinner, and I just froze it before I got on the air. And uh, one funny thing is, you know, you guys are up there, I guess, in the north. Isn't Pennsylvania considered to be the north? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is yeah. now, but it used to be. Yeah. And do you all do you all say uh, stuffing or dressing with your turkey? Stuffing. Stuffing, okay. Well, up in the north, you say stuffing, and down in the south, we call it dressing. Actually, they're the same thing. So when you get the cookbook, just realize I'm a grits girl, which means it's a girl raised in the south. And we say dressing, y'all say stuffing, tomato, tomato. It really doesn't matter. It's still the same thing. But well, I just it's good made to know. This, yeah, it's I just good made to know because if you ask me if I want a dressing with my turkey, I would probably say no, thinking that you had some, you know, kind of Italian or, or ranch style literal <laughs> dressing back there. So yeah, so it is the same thing. And in the 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 dressing or stuffing that I made in our cook that I make in our cookbook, I actually put cranberries in it. It's a cornbread dressing, which is southern, and pecans in it, and it is really, really good. It's different, but it's really good. As a matter of fact, Lana, our daughter-in-law, will be having a baby probably in the next three weeks. So everything I make, I'm making extra and freezing it because we've got to have food going for those couple weeks because the whole family's involved when we have babies around here. But um, with a healthy defense system, alleviating the stress as much as you can, planning ahead, and saying no. Don't say yes to every volunteer job and every extra thing at church and every party and all that. Just say no. Just just say I I my health wise I'm really I've got to be careful and people will appreciate it. But again, as we teach you guys these or share these things with you, we want to give you the raw materials and the nutrients to go with that because I can tell you don't do this, don't do that, you know, slow down eat better and all that but if I don't give you the raw materials and the nutrients that feed your cells I'm doing you an injustice and that's what's so neat about health masters is we want to educate people as far as being healthy we don't want you to go around wandering and you hear this and you hear that and you don't know the truth we're going to give you the facts but then we're going to tell you what you can take to do that and the most important thing as far as keeping your stress levels down would be the 5-HTP and there's been massive evidence now that's showing that low serotonin levels are very common today with the stress-filled lifestyles that we have and the unhealthy dietary practices. And as a result, many people are overweight, they crave sugar, they crave carbohydrates, they experience bouts of depression, and get frequent headaches. And all the issues are really correctable by raising brain serotonin levels. Conditions associated with low serotonin levels are helped by 5-HTP, which include depression, obesity, carb cravings, insomnia, sleep apnea, apnea, tension headaches, and PMS. All these can be helped by increasing your 5-HTP. Now, serotonin actually declines with age. I think everything declines with age. In humans, 5-HTP is an immediate nutrient precursor to the neurotransmitter serotonin. That means that 5-HTP converts directly to serotonin in the brain, and that's why it works so well. I know you know that I've talked about I have a, a 14, well, she just turned 15, daughter still at home, and... Um, and, you know, she's got her little PMS days and her little diva days and her little other days, which I won't mention anything else past that. 
But it can get really stressful. I don't know if y'all have teens, but teens are not like the teens that used to be. Because I I raised Austin. We had Austin, and then we had quite a few miscarriages. And then ten years later, boom, 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 we had three more. So we've kind of raised two different generations. And I can't believe the difference just in the ten years. It's guys, it's amazing how how these kids are becoming. But the five HTP is so important. My fifteen year old. If she doesn't take 5-HTP, I fine her. I've gotten so over her saying, oh, I forgot my vitamins or this. When she doesn't take the vitamins that I'm talking about tonight, her whole moods change. She gets super irritable, super weird, super crazy, and she and I just fight all the time. And I say, I take my supplements, you take yours. We call them our happy pills. And I say, if you don't take them, I'm going to start fining you because you're old enough to know better, and I sure can't live with you without you taking them. The other ones would be the B-complex. And we hear so much about B-complex, but really it refers to all the water-soluble vitamins except C. That's what the, the B vitamins are, meaning water-soluble that they're not stored in the body and they're excreted when you urinate. So you have to get them on a daily basis. And B vitamins should only be taken in the morning because they do help you increase your energy levels. But there's so many different Bs. I want to talk about the different Bs. And I want to break these down tonight because it's so important to understand why we need to take them. And I think with a better understanding of the B complex, you'll be less likely to skip it every other day or, you know, say, oh, I don't need that or I'm not going to take it. You're going to put it in your car. If you're late for work, you'll be popping it down the road, you know, drinking water down the road, taking your B vitamins. No, B1 is your thiamine. This is important in keeping the nervous system healthy and it plays a vital role in maintaining healthy mental attitude well that's real important it's essential for converting glucose into energy and it can stabilize mood swings and improve memory the next B vitamin would be B3 which is your niacin this supports the function of the nervous and digestive system deficiencies can cause depression irritability stress and mood disturbances now I know there's got to be some women out there besides me that can relate to that. <laughs> That's when I used to go have PMS every now and then. Ted say, "Have you had your B vitamins? Have you had your 5-HTP? Have you had your cod liver oil?" And I say, "Uh, no, because I can tell, and it really makes a difference. It makes it easier for people to get along with you, and it makes it easier for you to get along with you, really." <laughs> Um, it also helps the body release energy from the carbohydrates. Another B vitamin in the B complex is the B6, which is the pyridoxin. It helps the body manufacture serotonin, and it may also help boost immune systems during anxiety. Another B vitamin is B12, which is the cyanocobalamin. It's your memory vitamin, and since this organ that depends on the most the, excuse me the organ that depends on the B12 the most is the brain deficiencies may cause mental confusion neurological changes and make it difficult to cope with stress uh, it's significant in the production of melatonin which is your sleep hormone and serotonin which is your mood hormone which is real important other B vitamins in your B complex is your B2 which is necessary for metabolism of fats and carbohydrates B5, panathenic acid, which enhances activity of the immune system. B7, which is your biotin. 
That's required by every cell in the body, and it's crucial for maintaining normal balance for metabolism, and it supports healthy hair, skin, and nails. And biotin deficiencies can lead to skin rashes and lesions. Guys, have you ever seen people that, you know, they maybe have a short sleeve shirt on, and you look at their arms, and their elbows are crusty, and they just got, you can look at their arms for some reason, and they, they just got really skin issues. Have you all ever seen that before? I guess it would be eczema, psoriasis, yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah, we have. Well, the biotin really, really can help that and help improve it. And uh, really, I've seen I've seen it disappear before with other supplements. But uh, biotin deficiencies can lead to skin rashes and lesions. Both animal and human studies have found that adequate biotin supplementation may support healthy blood sugar levels also. So now, hopefully, since I've gone into detail over the B vitamins, excuse me, you're not going to miss them. That the, Your water-soluble vitamins are not stored in the body like your fat-soluble vitamins, and it's crucial that you get them every single day because they're depleted unless you're not urinating. If you're not urinating, there's a problem. So make yeah. sure you take those. And they really, B vitamins are called your stress vitamins. But, you know, take a few extra <clears throat> during the holiday season because this, this is not a normal pace that we're used to. Well, most people aren't used to. You guys may be. I'm not, I'm, I decided not to participate in it as far as the lifestyle uh, being so hectic. Um, the next supplement for the um, healthy defense system would be the cortisol buster. We've talked about that before. What this does, it helps your body resist and recover from the effects of everyday stress. Again, we're talking stress. By supporting healthy cortisol levels, it helps alleviate occasional fatigue, promotes mental clarity, supports relaxation and restful sleep. And the two main ingredients in our cortisol buster is a patented proprietary blend called Rolono. And it's, uh, it's bark extracts. And these herbs have a history of traditional use in treating stress and occasional feelings of anxiety. The other one would be the ashwanga, which is in here. This herb's been just revered as an adaptation for a thousand years as far as um, in stress. It's used to balance, energize, and revitalize the body. And it's used for its value uh, for cog. Uh, cognition enhancer it really really works guys we've incorporated this into our supplement program probably within the last year and it's really been a big help we get a lot of calls people just raving about it well you know Sharon uh, just to jump in here real quick because we only got about a minute left we have our five minute Christmas uh, story that we have that we're playing at the end of the show good 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 but but the uh, you know the health master supplements are, are wonderful and um, I know you guys have been sending them to us for a while now, but only the last few months have I really made an effort to take them on a regular basis. And I do notice little things, you know. I, I can get this, for whatever reason, get to sleep quicker, wake up with more energy, uh, things like that, not not needing to take naps throughout the day. And I go through cycles with that stuff anyway, but I'd like to, to say that the supplements have something to do with it. And we want to thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing everything uh, that you have shared with us, and, and we look forward to continue to work together in 2018. Oh, bless you guys. Merry Christmas, and 
take your B vitamins this week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sharon, Merry thank Christmas. you so much. And Merry Christmas to Merry you and, Christmas. and your family. And we will talk uh, in the near future. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. That will do it for us this week, folks. Stay tuned for Joe Charles, A Christmas Story. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke from sleep, the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come to worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. After Herod's passing, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Who art thou, precious little babe, nestled in the hay? God I am, come to earth this day. Why didst thou come, sweet little babe, nestled in the hay? To die I came, the price of sin to pay. Whose sin, tender little babe, nestled in the hay? Yours it was that brought me down today. 
Father, we know it was ours that brought you down that day. And God, our hearts are filled with praise this Christmas season and for the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. Oh God, I beseech you, if there are some here that have never met Jesus and know nothing of the true meaning of Christmas or life, that today might be that day when they come to know Jesus and love Him as we do. I'm Joseph Charles, and on behalf of all of us here at the Hagman Report, we wish you a very blessed Christmas and a safe and happy New Year. God bless you all. Thank you.